It's Locked On Giants Live. Trina, Tana, dog, coming your way next. You are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode of the Locked on Giants podcast is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Locked On Giants Live. You got Trina, Tana, and Dog here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And we're coming to you on a Tuesday night. Guys, what are we going to talk about tonight? Any, any ideas what we can talk about tonight? Talk about the Yankees getting rid of Josh Donaldson. Oh, yeah, the Giants made some roster cuts. We got to talk about that. Some surprises, some some. Uh, you know, just some weird things popped up today, I thought, with the with the roster thing. So we'll talk about all that. We'll get you ready for uh, regular season, which is in two weeks. Can you believe it? One more Less Sunday than two weeks. Out. Less than two weeks. Less than two weeks. But one more Sunday without Giant football. Then we're going into uh, our regular season routine. Gosh. Yeah. And I, yeah. I'm excited to jump on tonight. Talk. I'm probably going to do a roster video after this, um, but really excited to jump on talk with you guys about it. And yeah, like you said, a couple of minor surprises. Um, and you know what happens. This happens every year where there's like two or three mm-hmm. guys that the fans fall in love with and the team decides to cut them and they flip out. Um, nothing major here. Nice trade today, I thought, that we'll talk about. Yes, we'll talk about that. Uh, Actually, you know, a couple of trades we need to talk about. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I thought we needed a little bit of depth there off the edge. Giants certainly did that, a guy that they're familiar with within the building. So, all in all, I'm just excited. We know the fifth. Well, I shouldn't say we know the 53 because they're probably going to add two or three more players via teams around the league dropping players, and I'm sure they'll add onto this roster, and they'll do some roster maneuvering, putting some of these guys maybe on the IR or the pup. So, we'll see. But we have a, a general overlook of what we're going to be looking yeah. at. Yeah, definitely. All right. So we're, what we'll do is we're going to go through the roster. Now, again, as as Tana said, the roster will probably be tweaked tomorrow. Matter of fact, I know already of some tweaks that are, are potentially coming down the pipe. What I'm looking for, and it's not out yet, and it's kind of important for the purpose of our discussion a little later on, but I'm looking for the NFL transaction report, which will tell me who was waived injured, who wasn't, because that's going to be important in trying to figure out some of the the roster moves that are forthcoming so if that pops up at any point during this uh pod this live stream i'll I'll mention it and we'll 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 double back on there so guys let's start off let's just run down the position list quarterback i think everybody kind of figured you know it was going to be two guys i mean did it seriously did anybody think that they might keep three i know i didn't no i got a little confused with the rules because People, some people were telling me one thing, other people were telling me another. I was under the assumption at one point that the rule was that you could carry three and the third guy doesn't go against the 53-man roster, but that's not the case. So once I heard about that, yeah, it makes no sense to carry three quarterbacks. DeVito probably will go unclaimed. And you look around the league, like, all these Giant fans this past week are flipping. I saw that you wrote correct on my tweet. All these Giant fans around Twitter this week are, like, flipping out. Oh, DeVito looks so good in training camp. He should be, he should be in over Tyrod Taylor. 
listen, Tyrod Taylor's been in this scheme for a full year. There's value to that. That's a guy with experience. DeVito's never played in an NFL game. He was an undrafted free agent for a reason. I don't see anything wrong about this. And you look around the league, there were some pretty talented I got cut. Bailey Zappi being one of them, who actually looked pretty good with the Patriots uh, last year when given the opportunity. So there's nothing to cry about here if you're a Giant fan with DeVito. He's probably going to go unclaimed, and we'll probably snatch him and put him on the practice squad. Yeah, I like DeVito. Obviously, good old Paisano. <laughs> I thought he played well. I, I felt like he showed a lot of heart and grit. I mean, he played in front. You know, he played behind a line that leaked more water than a sieve for crying out loud. A uh, guy was running for his life the entire time, and I, I liked him. But you weren't gonna if you weren't carrying three quarterbacks. There's no way he gets in over Tyrod Taylor. Not only is Tyrod Taylor used to the system, the Giants were to get rid of Tyrod Taylor. They're eating about five and a half million dollars. That doesn't make any sense. The other thing I brought up the other night, I, and I think this goes overlooked, I think Tyrod Taylor is a good mentor for Daniel Jones. He's a smart player. He's been in the league a long time, and he has definitely played behind some younger quarterbacks, some really good quarterbacks in his day. Uh, you know, he's made the playoffs. So I think that his contribution goes a lot farther than just being the backup. I think he's a leader in that locker room. I think that Daniel Jones looks to him and – it just made sense to keep the veteran there over, you know, an undrafted kid who, like Chris said, if he claims, if he clears waivers, he'll end up back with the Giants. Um, maybe Arizona claims him. I don't know who Arizona's quarterback is, so maybe, maybe Arizona guy. I don't, <laughs> no, I, I, I don't think that's a shock. I mean, I like them, but it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, and I just want to check real quick. I don't think Tyrod Taylor – has guaranteed money, but I want to check real quick because that could also be part of the Tyrod Taylor. Does he have guaranteed money this year? I just thought uh, his debt. Yeah, five. he does. Two point yeah. seven two five million of his salary guaranteed. So you know, like you said, you know, you were you, you're not going to cut him. I mean, he's got the experience, and dog. That's a great point about him being a mentor for Daniel Jones. You know. Yeah. Um, and, and he can also be a mentor for Tommy DeVito, basically get him ready so that maybe this time next year we're talking about DeVito being the number two quarterback as opposed to, you know, Taylor, who maybe they move on from. So really no surprises there at quarterback. Uh, let's talk running back. Now, I got to admit here, I was a little surprised. I thought just Sean Corbin yeah. was going to stick. Instead, they went with uh, Barkley Breida, Eric Gray, and Gary Brightwell. And the reason why I had uh, Jashawn Corbin over Brightwell is that injury issue. And that's why, you know, I really wish the NFL personnel report was up so I could see, you know, who was waived injured and who wasn't. But were you guys surprised by, you know, Corbin uh, getting cut and, and uh, Brightwell making it? I'll start. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't use the term surprised. I mean, at the end of the day, Corbin was an undrafted free agent last year, but I thought he looked good, I, you know, outside of the last game, but it really, they, they weren't blocking at all. He was getting crushed in the backfield, but the first two games, I thought he looked good. He was running hard. He looked like he had good hands as well. So I thought he stood a really good chance to make this team. I thought he earned a roster spot. Um, and like you said, Brightwell didn't play because he's been banged up. So I guess I'm a little bit surprised. But I have to think the reason that they, they kept Brightwell probably for special teams purposes. I know that Gray's been returning the kicks, but Brightwell, of course, was the kick returner last year. And I guess they feel he fits the offense better. I preferred Corbin, but it's nothing I'm going to be bent out of shape about for you know an RB4 on the roster. Yeah, I agree. I think Gainwell is pretty much kept here for special teams purposes. And let's be honest, guys. 
if we're down to our fourth string running back, running the ball, we're in deep trouble anyway, whether it's Corbin yeah. or Gay- Brightwell. It, it doesn't matter. If, if, if we're depending on one of those guys to tote the rock, uh, we're in trouble. So, again, I'm, I, I thought Corbin definitely looked good in preseason. I was a little surprised. I thought that, you know, that was one of the more surprising cuts. If there was any really surprising cuts, um, I thought that he would make it. But again, I'm not going to get bent out of, you know, bent out of shape over a fourth string running back getting cut in favor of somebody that's been on this team, you know, for a few years, again, had a year under this system and, and as one of our better special teams players. So, you know, maybe in a, if, you know, something happens to Eric Gray, you got your kick returner in, in Brightwell. So, uh, again, I maybe that was a little surprising, but it's not the end of the world. Yeah, and, and just, you know, you mentioned special teams. It's funny because in, in planning this out, I thought to myself, gosh, the Giants don't really have any special teams demons. How many times last year did we see special teams hurt this team? Oh, wait I don't want to go into this season and, and, you know, go through the 17 games and then say, Oh, the Giants lost two or three games because of special teams. I don't want to see that. Of I'll course. go ballistic if that happens. The game so against think, Seattle, that, that one. Yeah. Hurt. So so I mean, so I think you, you know, they needed to keep guys who are purely special teams players. And and Brightwell, I think, is going to be one of those core guys. He can play all four uh special teams units, you know, even though he's not the kick returner anymore, he can still function on kick return returns, you know, on that unit. So I can sort of see why it makes sense. It, it makes it's sense because like, yeah, because like I mean, Bad looks said, injury, when you, the yeah, injury when you're ta- when you're talking about an RB four, they're not going to see the field unless you have a ton of injuries. And at that, you know, in terms of being the running right. back, so right. if if they thought Bright will carry more special teams value, it, it makes sense. As much as I was rooting for Corbin, I get it. It makes absolutely. sense. absolutely. And I saw Davy. I think it was Davy Anonymous posted this. He says he says Gary Brightwell to pop and and Corbin back. Guys, once a player is off pup. You know, I see this a lot. Pup means that you did not pass your training camp physical. Once you pass that training camp physical, if you get injured and cannot perform, it's IR or they carry you. You cannot put a player who has passed the training camp physical back on pup. It doesn't work that way. So I just want to clarify that because I see that a lot. I get a lot of questions about that. Pup, the only player that landed on Pup was Aaron Robinson because he still cannot pass the training camp physical. Wandale Robinson, of course, came off the Pup list today. Um, my understanding is that decision was made this morning. You know, it was like, wow. you know, there for a little bit, but they made that decision this morning. But we'll talk about receivers in just a minute. Tight end, guys, uh, Darren Waller, Daniel Bellinger, Lawrence Cager, they put Tommy Sweeney on reserve non-football in illness which i suspected would be the case i don't think we'll see him this year at all uh they cut ryan jones i mean could you see them potentially adding like maybe to the practice squad another tight end given the amount of 12 and 13 and and 22 personnel we might be seeing from this offense maybe have another tight end somewhere in reserve 100 percent um I, I i matter of fact i expect them to uh because i think there's going to be some games specifically week one i've talked about it um, where they may want to carry that extra tight end because you're going up against an elite pass rush. You figure you're going to want more protection. So I do think there's going to be some weeks where they want to carry four tight ends. So I expect actually a move, whether it be to stash somebody on the practice squad or maybe they'll make some maneuvering with their roster. And yeah, I think in certain weeks we may, we may have four tight ends on the 53-man roster. So yeah, if I had to guess, I think we'll make an acquisition for the practice squad at that position. 
it would make sense. Uh, I mean, the offensive line needs all the help it can get. And, it's, you know, you have a couple of those tight ends. Uh, well, not a couple, but Darren Waller is definitely a weapon in the receiving game, not so much for his blocking. So he's going to be part of the receiving game. So if you want to keep a, an extra tight end out there to, to help chip or double or, you know, take some heat off of Evan Neal if he's going against Lawrence or Micah Parsons or whoever it is, uh, like Chris said, especially week one when you're going against, you know, a team like Dallas who really uh, – 49ers week three, too. I mean, 49ers got a great yeah, pass. You got, I mean, you, got some, you got some pretty tough defenses uh, early in the year. So it would make sense. And, again, whatever Joe Shane does, I'm on board because the man knows what he's doing. Man, yeah. I'm with you on that. Yeah, I mean, so far he he he's he gotta love what he's doing for sure. And you know, just to, back to the tight end for a second. You know, right now I think we can probably all agree that that Bellinger is the best blocker they have of the position group. Oh yeah, Cager's not no for blocking. They could get another tight end who could block halfway decent. I mean, it's not really Waller's game. It's not really Cager's game. I just worry that if, God forbid, Bellinger can't play, what do they do uh, for a blocking tight end? Yeah, a guy like Myrick, had he not gotten hurt, I know he's hurt. Uh-huh, um, yep. But a player like that, though, yeah, I expect them to add a more of a block first tight end to the practice squad. I'd be surprised if they don't. Matter, yeah. I, I'm going to say it. Don't be surprised if there's a fourth tight end on the team on the roster opening night. I I could definitely see them doing some maneuvering before the start of the year. Oh, yeah, there's going to be roster gymnastics, no question about it. That's yeah. why, you know, again, I want to see what, what the final NFL transaction report, how they designate these various guys. So hopefully that'll pop up before we end the stream tonight. Um, all right, let's talk wide receivers. They went with six. I think a lot of us predicted it, they would go with seven. The six are Hodgins, Slayton, Campbell, Hyatt, Wandale Robinson, who came off Pup, mm-hmm. Sterling Shepard. Cole Beasley, I believe they're going to sign him to the practice squad. At tomorrow so we're going to start to you know once the practice squads can be um uh put together he's going to the practice squad i'd be shocked if he wasn't any surprises for you guys other than maybe robinson coming off pup my only surprise is that they didn't go with seven um just because i don't know if wandel is going to be ready week one yeah. so i thought bizu would be rostered but obviously he's still dinged up that that's the only thing that makes sense but i if even if that were the case i thought maybe they'd go with crowder but maybe Wandell's going to be ready to go uh, week one. I don't know. We'll see. But that was the only reason why I thought they'd go with seven, you know, as far as that goes. I thought that um, Wandell probably wouldn't be 100% a go. So they, they'd want to have Beasley or a guy like Crowder be that, fill in that void until such time Wandell was ready to go. So that's the only reason I'm moderately surprised. But, Chris, you mentioned it before uh, that the Giants may only carry six. Yeah, uh, into this game against Dallas because they're going to want an extra tight end. They're going to want an extra blocker in this game, and they might not need seven receivers. Where down the line, if they feel that they can, you know, throw the ball around, or they're not going against an elite pass rush, I mean, maybe week two things are different when they go to Arizona. But um, yeah, Wandale coming off pup was kind of surprising because you, I hadn't heard anything about him being close or really knowing his status of availability. So. I don't think that Crowder was really much of a surprise and Seals was not much of a surprise. So again, maybe that's the most surprising thing. Now I read something, Patty, that um, Cole Beasley like doesn't hit waivers or anything. Like nobody can claim him that he's going to stay with the Giants. Yeah. Uh, Anybody who's a vested veteran with with at least four years experience, they automatically have their contract terminated and thus they become a free agent on the spot 
whereas anybody with fewer than four years experience has to pass through waivers. And the Giants, as you guys know, have, I think, spot number 26 on the waiver wire order. So that's a long wait to, to, to for guys that you want, which is why Shane made some of these trades, by the way, because he – One of my favorite trades ever, mind you, because – Yes. I know we'll get into that, but uh, – Yeah, we will. We'll, we'll, we'll get into it, but I just – I know a lot of people were like screaming. They're like, what the hell is he doing? Why is he making trades? Why is he giving up draft picks? He's down on the waiver wire order. And the chances of him getting a Simmons probably were slim to none when you're picking 26. The waiver wire, for those of you who don't know, it's set up to mirror the draft order, the original draft order. And it stays like that for, I think, the first three weeks of the season. Once teams, you know, start logging wins and losses, then they shuffle it. Every week, I think it's based on your your uh, one loss record. So obviously, the team with the worst record is number one. The team with the best record is number uh, you know thirty two. And then I think they use tiebreakers. I think it's strength of schedules tiebreaker. I'm not sure what the tiebreaker is, but that's how they kind of work that. So just a little clarification there. But um, but yeah, that uh, definitely some 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 changes coming. So. Um, and, and we'll see again, injuries playing a part of it and, and uh, we'll see how it factors in, but guys, let's talk um, before about we the 300 pound men. we got to talk about the 300 pound men. Yeah. Uh, well, any other thoughts before I move on, any other thoughts about receivers or any other surprises that, that surprise? I mean, can we Bryce Ford Wheaton? I was really, you know, I mean, he got hurt, but yeah, you know, I know but, yeah. he got hurt and I was kind of just, I, I suspect his injury saved might've saved Cam Brown. Just a gut feeling I have. Yeah, I don't know if that- Cam Brown's safe yet. Uh, you know, True. because if they're gonna, because you know, I don't think Basham's on the roster yet, technically, right? Even though they made the trade, he's not listed on the initial fifty-three. He, he the trade's official now. I know. Yeah, the trade's official. Yeah, but it was. Other- he, he wasn't on the roster um, when it, when it was released by the Giants earlier, but the Bills announced it, so it's been approved by the league. So, so they got to kick somebody <laughs> off, though, right? They got to kick somebody off the fifty-three to put him on. No, right? no, no, no. The Giants had 52 initially. Oh, okay, okay. Is, they had 52, okay. And they also announced the terms. I think the Giants get gave up a six-round pick. I, 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 yeah, it was it's a, a swap. I know that. Six-round pick went to, to uh, Buffalo, and Buffalo sent Basham and a seventh-rounder in 2025. So kind yeah, of an much. interesting move by Joe Shane to, you know, to dip into the 2025 draft class. Which just goes to show you, by the way, I suspect it anyway. This is a theory. They're getting close with this roster because if you start trading away picks mm-hmm. and you don't need a bunch of picks, you're probably thinking to yourself, okay, I got a decent foundation in place. Maybe I'm not going to need these guys, you know, to to maneuver around or to fill holes because I've got my foundation in place. So just, you know, just a, a thought there. So. All right, let's talk about the 300-pound men on the offensive side of the ball, as Chris puts it. So we've got Andrew Thomas, Evan Neal, Shocker, Matt Shocker, Pert. yes, Shocker, guards. <laughs> well, you want you want you want to go uh, all together? Or you want you want me to break them down into positions? Uh, you just go the whole. You can just round. Right. So we got Thomas, Neal, and Parrot at the tackles. Bredesen, Golowinski, Azudu, Shane Lemieux, and Marcus McCaffin as the guards. Schmitz, Bredesen. Uh, I'm sorry, Schmitz, and then Bredesen and Lemieux would be the backups to 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 uh, Schmitz. Parrot surviving this roster. Are yeah, you guys he might not survive, in my I, opinion. I think he's going to make the team. I, I'm not surprised. I thought he would make the team. 
the the one surprise here for me. But again, I think we got to wait to let the the whole thing the play out because I think we're making an addition. But Tyree Phillips, I thought he'd make the team. Yes. Tackle yes. versatility. He played pretty well last year when given the opportunity. Um, but they elected to keep Lemieux. I think it was between Phillips and Lemieux for that last spot. Um, and they went with the guy that is more a natural guard slash center. Lemieux could kind of play both. Seems like they felt like they needed more attention there. But I still think they're going to make another move. But I think Parrott's going to stick. I think Parrott's the swing tackle this year, uh, as scary as that may sound. I think they could find somebody to replace him. I, I, I do, I, but I don't think it's going to happen. He's not awful. I, I mean, there's got to be something out there that's well, – I mean, I even heard Carl Banks, like, tearing him to shreds. <laughs> I mean, he he just – I don't know, man. I, I got no faith. Uh, I'm just – I'm hoping that that guy sees the field. I don't want him to see the field. Uh, when you mention the backups, I really don't want any of them to see the field. I, I watched enough of them. And just to think that was pretty much our starting line a couple of years ago outside of Andrew Thomas. And you're talking about the backups. So the line's better. It's getting better. But it that has a long ways to go still. Um, they, I mean, need further development. they need further development. So uh, I don't know. I, I was surprised that Phillips was cut, though. I, I was – I was. I mean, again, I don't know if he was waived, injured. I never got a response back when I, when I looked into it. Hopefully I get a response back uh, before this pod – ends but um he did have the injury remember he did not play in the preseason finale against the jets mm. you know uh, dable said he wasn't ready to go so i'm just wondering if you know was he waived injured to to where maybe they're gonna put him on ir and do an injury settlement yeah. i i don't know that's why again i also want that nfl report which i keep refreshing the nfl communications page to see if it's up and it's not I don't know what's taking so long, but, um, but yeah, that was a very surprising one because Phillips could give you snaps at guard and tackle. The only thing I can think of in this case is because they, they figured, okay, well, we've got, you know, we have paired as, as a tackle. We could always put a, a tight end if we need extra blocking there as well on the outside, but we need guys in the, the interior. So, you know, yeah. instead of going with a guard tackle, which, by the way, McKethan can be a guard-tackle combination. So can Azudu. And so can Azudu. Well, Azudu is more of a guard, but he can be a guard-tackle. He's got the, he's got the so statue to play tackle. The, th- yeah. the thinking. Plus, you know, like I said, Tyree Phillips' injury didn't exactly help him. Yeah. So they probably figured, okay, you know what? We need interior guys. We need a backup center. Lemieux can play center, obviously. Bredesen, you know, can play center. That's why they had him taking those snaps. Uh, throughout the sun, you know, the summer, there was never really a competition there, like some people thought. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, I don't know. I mean, I think if they're going to add here, I could see them adding another guy uh, uh, on the old line, a tenth offensive lineman. Do you agree? I think they're going to. Um, it, now it may not be a tenth. They might, they might still go with nine. They may get rid of somebody and add somebody. But uh, yeah, I, I think they're going to make an addition tomorrow. That's going to be one of their additions. I think they're going to add an offensive lineman. Yeah. This question is who, and we'll talk about you know some possibilities a little later on. There was a program. lot. There was a lot of veteran linemen. There were, and there were some decent ones too, as I remember. Yeah, yeah, so a lot. But uh, th- for those of you who are wondering, David Turner is beside himself. David Turner, who is the guy who does the, the former NFL scout who does the show with me after the games, and he is not a Matt Parrott fan. No, you, guys, you guys know how how he feels about him, and those of you who don't, he basically describes him as soft. So. Uh, 
David I mean, Turner. I, I, listen, I am sure Matt Parrott's a, a really nice guy, but yes, be hard pressed to find a Matt Parrott fan uh, <laughs> outside of his family, maybe and friends, because it's just not very good. I mean, let's just be honest. He, he's been here for a few years, and he's he just hasn't he hasn't improved at all. I mean, that's that's the thing. Well, he's also it, had injuries too, to be right, fair. Right, that's what I mean. So he's dealt with a lot of stuff, and, and obviously the best ability is availability. And when you struggle to begin with and you're not getting the reps and you're not getting that experience, you're, it's going to stunt your growth. And you just he's just not good. I, <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I'm not, yeah. I, he scares me when he comes on the field. And I'm sure <laughs> Daniel Jones is like, oh, God, you know. The run blocking Having Neil better stay healthy. Horrible. Thomas and Neil better stay healthy. That's all there is to it. The run blocking wasn't horrible. The pass blocking, though, oh my gosh. Yeah. A waste spender. He's a waste spender. Yeah. And I kept and and it's funny at, on during the jet game I kept saying I was sitting next to Ed Valentine in the press box and I kept saying Ed he's going to get called for, for a false start. You watch because I kept seeing him jerk his hand back on his pass block. And I said, how are the officials missing that? He's doing it on every single snap. And sure enough, they nailed him for it. Yeah. And I, I said, see, I told you they were going to nail him for it. And, and, and just <laughs> we were just amazed at how he was bending at the waist and he was getting knocked around like a rag doll. I mean, a guy that big getting knocked around like a rag doll. That's what happens, ladies and gentlemen, when you bend at the waist instead of, you know, getting proper leverage on your pass set. So Matt Pear. He's still a giant today. Will he be a giant this time tomorrow? Your guess is as good as mine, but I would not be surprised if he is not. So, all he's right, guys. He's, he's definitely on the bubble for sure. He's on my thread. All right, let's go to D-line. The big guys on the other side of the ball. We've got Dexter, Leo, Nunez Roches, A. Sean Robinson, Jordan Riley, DJ Davidson. Were you guys surprised that they kept Riley and Davidson? A little Davidson, bit. Yeah. Yeah. I only had five on my initial 53 man roster prediction because um, I didn't feel like Davidson was necessary. But hey, they might look at it like Ashawn Robinson's. I got, you know, he's had frequent injury problems. He was hurt at the beginning of camp. They may look at it like Leo was hurt last year. They need all the depth they could get on that defensive line, right? And injuries do happen. Davidson's clearly a guy they still value, even though he's been hurt in camp. They drafted him in the fifth round last year. And when you look from within the division, you better have a strong defensive line because the Eagles are going to pound the ball. The Cowboys are going to pound the ball. So I get it. I thought they'd go with five, and I thought Davidson would be the odd man out, but they prioritized the uh, interior defensive line. I can't hate him for it. Yeah, I mean, I, I figured, you know, Davidson got hurt, if I'm not mistaken, I want to say week five last year. Yeah. So basically his Early. whole rookie season kind of got wiped out. And if I remember correctly, he was okay. Not somebody who flashed a lot, if I remember correctly. So, you know, you, you make the argument that, oh, you know, what Beavers, for example, who we'll talk about in just a moment. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's his rookie season all over again. When a guy misses that much time in his rookie year, I, I don't know. It's like, to me, I'm thinking, and especially since Davidson didn't play in the, in the summer, you, you know, you could say, oh, there's no tape on him. So maybe we could slide him through to, to the practice squad and use that spot elsewhere. So I was a little surprised with that. I knew they weren't going to do anything with Jordan Riley because Riley just, he played oh, really well. Great. Yeah. He played well. He deserves a spot, even though he brings nothing to special teams. But, you know, Davidson does play special teams, if I remember correctly. So that could be the reasoning there. That, that would be my guess if, you know, if I'm trying to 
figure it out. But again, who knows if this is how it's going to be tomorrow. So, yeah, um, I mean, I think, you know, special teams is a very overlooked aspect of, of football. Everybody looks at the offense, defense, but special teams plays a big part in it. And as Giants fans, we know that was a major weakness. It's been a major weakness outside of Graham Gano. I mean, it, it's been a major weakness uh, for a long time for us. So, you know, if you can get <clears> – those are types of things that, you know, the hidden yardage ends up there. A lot of times you don't notice that. Like just watching Eric Gray run up and catch the football as opposed to letting it bounce could save 15 yards of field position if that ball gets behind him and bounces around. It's things like that. You know, it's guys that are on sides are not holding. There's a lot of little things that, again, don't show up in the box score per se. Um, this hidden yardage a lot of times. So, you know, it's it's an important part of what they do. And, you know, if they're not really going to make an impact on defense or offense, if they can make an impact on special teams, obviously you want to go with the best players that can make an impact on that side of the ball or either side of the ball there, I guess. Yeah. Right. And, and this point here by Thigh 66, remember when Justin Skates Ellis was our only backup defensive tackle, that was why they carried all five guys. It's possible. Six you guys. Know, they, they run defense last year was a problem, and it was very. I hate to use the word soft, but let's call it what it is. It was kind of soft up the middle. Well, yeah, and I also think they're trying to mimic what the Eagles do. You look at what the Eagles did last year with their defensive line. I think they went six deep and they used a rotation and they were able to keep their guys fresh, not only from within individual games but throughout the year. Um, you go back and you look at the Eagles' snap counts. Fletcher Cox, their their best interior defensive lineman, only played sixty five percent of the snaps. Dexter Lawrence played 77%. He didn't play the last game of the year. That's more like 80%. So I think that they want to have a deep part. They want to mimic the Eagles. They want Dex and Leo to get more out of less. Play 65 to 6, 68% of the snaps. But now you're going to be fresh to be able to close out these games when it matters. Exactly. Exactly. All right, let's get into the linebacker group. Now, I got to admit, I'm not really sure where to put Isaiah Simmons. So for what it's worth, I have him with the inside guys, even though I don't know if that's going to be his, his spot. So for edge, I have Thibodeau, Ojulari, Ward, and Basham. Basham. Is that how you say it? Basham? Just call him Boogie. Just call him Boogie. Boogie. I love that name. Boogie. That's Boogie, Boogie. <laughs> <laughs> Boogie, man. So I have those four guys. Um, you know, obviously we, t- we talked about the trade. Anything there shock you um, re- regarding the uh, the edge guys? I mean, Zimenez is out. I'm not surprised yeah. there. Tamar no, Cox might have surprised me a little bit. I thought he might hang around, uh, but and then I went back and I looked at last year and his snaps diminished as we went through um, the seasons or, or the, towards the back end of the season and into the playoffs. So, I mean, are you guys also surprised? No, I, I think once we saw Simmons and Boogie get traded here, I, I think that spelled the end of Zeminez. I, I, Zeminez has been unimpressive anyway. He's another guy that's dealt with injuries, never really lived up to potential, and I think he was on his way out anyway, but I think these trades definitely sealed the deal for him. And, um, you know, I, I think that's a big reason why he's, you know, that Zeminez is gone. I don't think that's a surprise. Mikey McFadden's obviously a good blitzer, so you're going to want him in the system as well. And I guess we took over the show, Chris. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so oh, no surprise. I don't think there's any surprises with the linebackers there. Yeah, on my, uh, I think on my roster prediction video, I, I said I thought the last spot 
was down to Timon Fox and O'Shane Zimenez. I picked Fox, but I thought it was a coin flip. I think I said that. And I even think I said in the video, there's a good chance that neither one of those guys make the team because I could see them making an addition uh, for an edge rusher. I didn't necessarily think it would be a trade. I thought maybe they would pick somebody up off free agent. So, no, I'm not surprised, especially after I heard the trade today. I thought I thought there was only room for one of them before we made any kind of addition at that position. I didn't think they were going to roster both Fox um, and Zimenez. So once I heard that we made the trade for Boogie, I thought they were both going to be out of a job. So, no, I'm not surprised. I, in matter of fact, I think I expected both of them when all was said and done not to make the team. Um, I just thought initially one of them would, and then we would make an addition via waiver pickup. So, uh, yeah, not surprised, and I love the pickup that we made today. Yeah, and, and considering the value they got there. Now, just going back to Zimenez for a second, when the Giants didn't draft an edge rusher, you know, remember they made the trade and they gave up the fourth-round pick, obviously. they brought Then they brought back Zimenez, and I, and, I, and I questioned it at the time. I'm like, why are you bringing this guy back? He, he, his, his run defense, to me, was the biggest problem, the biggest, you know, a blip, if you will, in his game. And it just, you know, I was surprised they brought him back. And then I said, okay, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe the kid will step up and, and he'll be fine. But just the run defense. I mean, so many times in practice, I would watch him and the running backs would threaten that edge. They would get around yeah. him. And, and it was like, he was like diving at guys instead of just being patient. And I, and I just, after how many years now, this was what, four years that, that, happened against, that happened against the Jets too. Like he had, yeah. I forgot who was Zach Wilson or who I don't think it was Aaron Rodgers. I think it was Zach Wilson. Like he had him, and then yeah. he he let Wilson get away from. Him. He took a really bad angle, and Wilson almost got back to the line of scrimmage. I'm like, you you have to close him off. You got to take a better angle at him, at least force him out of bounds behind the line of scrimmage. You can't let him get a, get the edge on you. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was uh, a problem all training camp. Every time yeah. you know, we would watch the practices and. Every time there was a running play that came around at his edge, I was like, and sure enough, boom, yeah, his, the running back would get right past pursuit were terrible. I, I mean, that's – in the NFL, a lot of it is your angle of pursuit. And he yeah. just – he's bad at geometry, I guess. I don't know, because his angles were poor. Yes, we, they were. We, we, we brought Boogie in for one thing, and, and that's setting the edge. That's why he's here, uh, because yep. we were so bad at setting the edge last year, off the edge on the run game. Um, and that's what he's going to bring. Somebody in the chat said it. He's like uh, Jihad Ward Jr., and he is. But we needed another player like that, and he, and he provides valuable depth. And I think it's – you look around this roster right now, and you look at a lot of positions on this team, and they have so many different ways that they could present looks to the opposition. You you know, depending on the team you're going up against, you may play a guy like Boogie a lot more if you're worried about setting the edge, and they're going to be able to run the ball a lot. So – there's a lot of different things you could do, which when you improve your depth, that happens. And you look around this defense right now, we are deep. We're deep. We have a deep defense right now. I can't believe I'm saying that, but it's the truth. Um, we didn't even get into drooling. What is that? Wake must be drooling. Wake is drooling said. right now. We didn't even get into the edge rushers. Obviously, you got to be, you know, you got to be excited about Kayvon and Aziz. And, uh, you know, the interior defensive line is the deepest part of this team. And, yeah, I'm in the Bobby O'Carrake. I'm excited about Isaiah Simmons is a chess piece that you could do so much with if you're a wink, especially in a defense like this. So um, I think they, I think this could be a really fun uh, and exciting defense. And I think they're going to be a lot fresher this year, like I talked about earlier with the defensive line, to close out these games when you really need to close them out. So I'm excited. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's talk about the next group of linebackers, the inside linebackers. And I use quotes because some of these guys – 
may not just be strictly inside linebackers. So we've got Okereke, McFadden, Simmons, Cam Brown, Carter Coughlin. I was surprised Cam Brown made it, but once Bryce Ford Wheaton, like I said, went on IR, I thought maybe that would save him for special teams. Mm. Um, Carter Coughlin, not surprised he made it. He was he's been he their best great. special teams player. He was, he was fantastic. I, I Carter Coughlin looked really, really much faster this year, much more confident. Yeah, yeah, he was definitely. Really good against the Jets. I'm like, he's making the team. Like he he played really well. Uh, I mean, it's preseason. He was the best player on the field, I think, the third preseason. And he was really good. When you're playing, people are like, oh, it's just preseason. This is true. But when you're playing for your job, you need to show out, you know, when yeah. he did. So well-earned for Carter Coffin. Yes, definitely. I, I, I Kudos to him. McFadden played well. And but he's a good blitzer. I, I think McFadden was going to make the team because he's a good blitzer. And, Wink, you know, Wink, he, he loves the blitz. So oh, yeah. Definitely. I think That's McFadden was going to make it. But guys, let's talk about Simmons. And, yes, you know, let's so talk have- about Simmons, baby. <laughs> Dog likes this pick. You can I love, him. I love him, man. He's I think man. we all do. I mean, he's yeah. a great fit for the scheme. How could you not? For a second round pick, can you believe it? I mean, highway robbery here. Yeah, Joe Shane is the man because this guy was an eighth overall pick. I haven't shied away from, and I listen. Twenty twenty, I wanted to draft Isaiah Simmons, right? Because I'm a defensive guy. Obviously, Andrew Thomas was a correct pick. But a lot of Giants fans kind of shied away from I want I I don't because that's who I wanted. But guess what? Now we got them both. I actually made a video. Somebody brought it to my attention. January first, twenty twenty. I said if the you know if they're both there, who do you take? Andrew Thomas or Isaiah Simmons? Now they're both here. Isaiah Simmons, from what I understand, reading somebody sent me a a big thing from a message board in the Cardinals like message board or whatever it is. And they said he was totally miscoached there. And they they scapegoated him for everything. And yeah. they just blamed him for everything. And they benched him because he couldn't cover Travis Kelsey. And I mean, who can cover Travis Kelsey? What Wink Martindale is going to be able to do with this guy, his athleticism. I mean, the man ran a sub 4 440. He's one of the best, you know, one of the best athletes in the draft that year. I just feel like in Wink's system with the players around him. He can just do it. There's so many things. Yeah. And Wink likes to do a variety of things. I think Simmons could have a massive season and a massive impact for the Giants. If it's not him, he could open it up for somebody else. But think about Simmons, David O, Akarake, and Aziz in the field at the same time to go with Sexy Dexy and Leo. That's pretty damn good up front. Hey, Sean Robinson, too. Stick that right. big guy in there. We've got a nice front seven, bad dog. And I'm with you. I'm excited. I think it's finally an example of a player that's now put in the right situation to be successful because I think Isaiah Simmons' skill set is meant to play in a Wink Martindale scheme. He kind of reminds me of a a better or at least a much higher ceiling version of a player that we picked up a few years ago who I was excited when we brought him in. Didn't amount to anything, and that's Dayon Buchanan. But he's a similar type of player in the sense that you can use him. Yeah, at money back. You could use him in a multitude of ways. Um, And we remember Buchanan when he was with the Cardinals, when he was young and really good. That's the type of impact I could see him having with this team. So yeah. I think it was a great pickup for what we gave up to get him. Yeah, spoiler alert. First, for those of you who missed it, I had Alex Clancy of Locked on Cards on the program a couple of shows ago. We were talking about uh, Simmons and what went wrong down in Arizona. And then coming up, I think tomorrow I'm supposed to tape with him. I'm going to have Jonathan Casillas, former Giants linebacker, who's now with the Giants broadcast crew. He's going to be on with me. We're going to talk about Simmons and Basham and just all the, you know, the roster and everything like that. So that's coming up. 
uh, for anybody who's interested in, in tuning in to see what, what, you know, those guys have to say. I mean, Casillas is going to know this stuff inside and out being a former NFL linebacker. So I can't wait to hear his perspective on that. But well, you know, I'm, I'm pumped about Simmons. Like that is just something I, <laughs> I did not see coming. And- saw, you know, and, and you know, here's the beautiful thing about Joe Shane. How do you remember in the past GMs, you know, if there was talks about the giants trade, you know, Oh, they might be trading Odell. Oh, they might be trading this guy. Shane has literally been like a thief in the knife, thief in the night with these tra- uh, trades. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. don't find out about them until they're done. Yeah, I, I actually Isn't mentioned uh, I mentioned something similar like a week ago where we used to be the team, Pat, that we would have the talented players. We would have the Odell Beckhams. We would have the Landon Collins. We would have the talented players, but we didn't have the coaching staff and the scheme and the culture to be able to maximize their tools and we would give up on them and we would trade them away. Now it's the other way around. Now we have the improved culture. We have the coaching staff that could maximize these players talents. And now we're going out and we're finding these players that didn't work at their previous destination. That's a great point. And now we have the coaching staff that can maximize their abilities. It feels nice to be on the other side of that now. Yes. Yeah. And they, in the legitimately intelligent front office, when I, like I said, when I was when I did the reaction to the Brandon Brown press conference, I mean, you knew the man's intelligent, and and unfortunately for us, he's probably going to be a GM for somebody in the next few years. Next he's year. too smart. Listening to all of the avenues, and I, I mean, you know, they work hard, but listening to all the preparation, all the work, and everything that they do, and everybody that they talk to, and the way the communication is. It's like these guys, and Patty, we talked about this last year, how the last regime had like a plan A and a plan B. And when that one arrived, there was no plan C. These guys have plan A, plan B, plan they C. Got, they they got the whole alphabet. Right, and they have another alphabet. They have the Latin alphabet. They have the too. numbers. They have the numbers, exactly. And these guys just do so much due diligence. And you know what else helps? Players want to come here now. This culture is right. different. You see a bright young GM. You see the trajectory of the Giants. And you see a great – the coach of the year in Brian Dable. Defensive players want to play for Wink. They want to play for Kafka. They want to play here. And when you want to play somewhere and it's a change of scenery, man, these guys have huge years. So there's a reason to be excited if you're a New York Giants fan, without question. Yeah. And not just for the year, but the future, because you know Joe Shane's going to be here for a long, you know, many years. And you see what he's done in the draft. You see the way he signed the players. You see the trades he makes. They're smart. And he's, he's got not plan. backloading these contracts and he's yes. not doing the yep. farm and he's he's not doing any of that stuff. He's very intelligent. And the and other thing I'll say about him, Bad Dog, he's got a backbone. This dude has a backbone. He yep. knew he was going to hear a lot of slack from a large portion of this fan base, from the broad media, the way that he handled the Saquon Barkley situation. He knew the cool. same thing at the trade deadline when he didn't trade for a wide receiver that he was going to hear backlash. He doesn't care. He's going to do what's right for this team. And as much as I love Saquon Barkley, he did the right thing, sticking to his guns. And he got him back on a very cost-effective deal. And Little Bad Dog loves it as well. Hey, How could you dog. not love it? How could hey, you not love it? It's a little puppy. How are you, you doing? You tell him the Eagles stink? The Eagles stink. He traded them well. Raising them right. Raising them right. Folks. No Giants, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Little bad dog is just—he—he's becoming a new star. Pretty soon, we're gonna have to create a box just for little bad dog. I know. Pretty soon, he's getting very big, very fast. I mean, I know. Pretty soon, we'll have a little bad dog. 
first grader now. Wow. Somebody. Wow. First grader. Wow. I remember, yeah. when was, I remember when he was a little baby. I know. Wow. I was, it was insane. That's when you and I started working together when he couldn't yep. even walk. Yeah. And I like Crazy. It. Crazy. Pretty soon he's going to be saying, Dad, let me get the keys of the car. <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to be like, what? I don't yeah, think exactly. so. Right? Exactly. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right, guys. Let's do cornerbacks. Uh, yeah. By, by the way, one guy we got to mention. I, I I only bring it up because I know a lot of people were flipping out about it before we go to the cornerbacks. I know Bad Dog loved We both loved him. Darren Beavers was a, a little bit of a surprise. Yes. Oh, gosh. Yeah, we got to talk about um, it. Yeah. Figure we'd talk about that real quick. Um, yep. I, I think in the end, it came down to two things uh, with, with the selection of not putting Beavers on this roster. One, he's probably not full, as fully recovered from the injury last year, right? right. We remember a couple of years ago with Ryan Connolly. Mm-hmm. He looked pretty good his rookie year. He got hurt, came back, got cut. That was a surprise. And yep. the other thing is, as we've talked about, with all these other positional groups along the way, it seems like that they have really prioritized special teams. What is Cam Brown known for? The guy that got his role. He's one of the best special teamers on this team. So I think in the end, that's why Beavers didn't make the squad. That's a good point. And you know, because again, you'd rather, I mean, and I, we, we were, we were fans of Beavers. No question. I would I wish he could have stayed healthy last year. Cause I don't, some guys take a lot longer to come off an ACL tear than others uh, to be completely effective. A lot of people tell you it's two full seasons. Before the 100%. I mean, you could see Barkley when he came off that injury was not the same Barkley as he was last year. Um, so I think when it comes down to it, if you're looking at, again, a third or fourth string linebacker as opposed to a first string, you know, one of your better special teams players, Cam Brown holds more value at his position uh, than Darian Beavers does. So, again, it sucks. I liked Darian Beavers. I was hoping good things for that kid. And maybe he comes back. I mean, who knows? But maybe Totally understand the. I totally understand the decision. Yeah, that's a good point. And and I was talking with somebody today about Beavers, and I said I asked him. I said, "Do you think it was because he's not fully recovered from that ACL, and that you know maybe he looks like he's lost a little step?" And the person said that it was certainly possible, and that we could potentially see Beavers if he clears waivers. Maybe he comes back on the practice squad, continues yeah. to develop, or you know that that's assuming again that that knee that there was no setback with that knee. So um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if we've necessarily seen the last of Beavers, but I guess we'll find out. All right. Cornerback Jackson Banks, Hawkins, Flott, Holmes, Holmes agreeing to take a pay cut. Mm-hmm. Um, is it me or do you guys think that they're going to add to this group that they're going to make a swap somewhere or yeah. maybe an addition? I'd like to. I'd certainly like to. Um, I thought they were going to go with six corners. They ended up go- going with six safeties. They went with uh, five corners and six safeties. I thought they'd go with six corners and five safeties, uh, especially due to the fact that it's very young, you know, group in the cornerback room. I thought they'd want that better, and that's why I thought a Warrior would initially make the 53-man roster. They didn't elect to go that route. I'm with you. I-, I would say the two most likely positions where I expect them to make an outside acquisition would be the corner and would be the offensive line. Um, the Darnay Holmes thing. I mean, yeah, that's great. He can't, he, he pulled a Darius Slayton from last year. He came back. Uh, he knew that the only way that the New York Giants were going to bring him back is if he took a reduction in pay. Uh, and he did. I'm glad he's back. He's a veteran. He could certainly provide valuable depth. I'm glad he's probably not going to be starting, but Hey, he's a smart guy. He's a guy that's probably respected in that locker room. So for a league minimum salary, by all means. So I love that. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you. I, I think I expect one more addition in this secondary. I think they'll add another corner somewhere. 
Yeah, I way, have to imagine they would do that. I have to imagine they would do the the same thing. I mean, you know, you this is still a little bit. It, it's still a work in progress, uh, in my opinion. So we'll we'll see. But I mean, if you can move, uh, you know, a Jackson to the slot, and you're going to have your two rookies playing. That's pretty awesome. It's a pretty awesome draft. Now again, these guys may struggle. Uh, a little bit at the beginning of the year, they're going against really good wide receivers. But the fact that they play well enough to earn the starting spots and put, you know, one your probably your, your best corner going in into the slot, that's going to help a lot because we got beat down there, uh, you know, a lot. So um, again, I, I nothing Shane does will surprise me at all. Uh, and I know he's probably got something up his sleeve, but I think a big reason that you know they kept McLeod was because he can play safety he can play a bit of nickel so he's a little bit more versatile i think that's a reason that he was kept here um you know i don't know what they list him as a safety or a corner but i think he can kind of do both um but again you know it's it is what it is but it, it will not surprise me if we add to that we could definitely use some more secondary depth yeah all right before i answer thigh 66's question the personnel report finally came out so i just want to go over it real quick Nobody was waived injured. That's what I was looking to see if anybody was waived injured. But we had uh, on the list for the Giants, uh, Baldonado, Alex Cook, DeVito, Jamon Green, Deontay Johnson, Ryan Jones, all are listed with partially guaranteed contracts, meaning I think they got signing bonuses, if I'm not mistaken. So they will count against the cap. You know, usually with the UDFAs, they sign and, you know, you don't give them any kind of frills or signing bonus or anything like that. And then if you cut them, if they don't count against the cap, against your dead money, these guys are going to count a little bit. And I'd, I'd have to go in and take a look and see, you know, what the, cause the cap is going to, you know, obviously the cap space is going to be affected by it. So I'd have to go and see, but you know, there's going to be moves made. So let's let the dust settle a little bit and I'll take a look at that. Maybe on an upcoming show in a day or two or something like that, I'll give you guys an update. Now, I want to answer uh, Thai's question, Thai66. He asked, "What do you know what Holmes' pay cut was? It's not official, Thai, but what the Giants did with Slayton last year is what I suspect they did with Holmes this year, which is they dropped his base salary to the minimum. And the minimum corresponding with the number of years exper accrued experience he has is $1.06 million. So that's what I think the, the cut was. And then I don't know if they built in incentives and stuff for him, him to earn it back. I would suspect they did. But uh, I would say start with 1.06 instead of the 2.7 that he was due to make uh, as a result of the um, the player the performance escalators uh, that, that boosted up his salary. So I hope. And, it, I, and uh, I think it makes sense. I, much like it did Slayton last year. I think Slayton looked at the situation, he had, you know, that was being presented last year and he knew. He was going to get opportunities because our wide receiving court wasn't very good. There was a lot of injury-prone players, whether it was Galladay, Tony. He knew they were bringing in good offensive play callers. So he said, well, I'm a free agent next year. This is a good situation for me. I think Darnay looks at it the same way. He's like, all right, I'm going to take a pay cut. I get to come back and play in an improved defense around me with all these pieces we've added in a Wink Martindale scheme, young corners. Odds are somebody's going to get hurt. If I get an opportunity, maybe I impress. And then I get a decent-sized contract at free agent next year. So I, I think it made sense for Darnay to take the pay cut. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I think that also speaks to the fact that players want to be here. You know, yeah. players are taking one-year deals to be here. They're taking pay cuts. Slayton took a pay cut last year. So I think that, again, speaks to the fact that players want to play for this coaching mm -hmm. staff because a lot of guys really just like, oh, just give me the money, give me the money. 
And these guys are like, listen, I'll take less if that's yeah. what it takes. Because I thought because I think I forgot what it was. Holmes was owed almost three million dollars, and the dead cap was like nine. Yeah, right. So it was almost like a two and a half million dollar savings if they did cut him. So I thought, and and you know, I didn't think that he really stood out or anything. And Chris and I thought he might be gone anyway. They was kind of on the edge. And I thought that if they could save two and a half million dollars, that's probably a good reason to let him go. But when yeah. he sits there and takes a pay cut, now it doesn't really cost much. Now it makes sense to keep him. So right. it totally uh, shifted things around. And again, that's our GM just being the freaking man. I don't know what to say. Better than Howie Roseman, Eagle fans. Better than Howie. I, all you got to do, you, you could just tell from the improved culture. These guys, Ashawn Robinson, I still think took less money to play here. I think he could have gotten something more, more money somewhere else. I think Slayton probably could have got a little bit more from the Atlanta Falcons, but he wanted to come back, play with the team he's familiar with. Uh, Darnie Holmes takes a pay cut. Saquon Barkley, no fuss, right? He comes in and basically play, plays for the franchise tag. If this is Dave Gettleman, Joe Judge's show, that's not happening. So no. I, I think it speaks to the improved culture, the winning. They know that they're headed down the right path, and everybody's trying to be in lockstep. So the disease of me was definitely proven false. So I'm oh, excited. Gosh. I'm excited for this year. Never existed. You know, Eagle Never fan, existed. I think it's funny. You know, I, I, you know, I see Eagle content creators on YouTube, and it's just amazing to me. And they make all these videos about all the trades that they're going to make. And you never actually see them do it. See, they talk the talk. RGM walks the walk, baby. The Giants were coming. Look out. Let's go. I think, dog, I think dog likes – you know what, dog? Shane's talking on Thursday. I'll make sure to tell him how much you love him. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll pass that along. Tell him, tell him, tell him, tell him, I love him, too, I'll tell him. I'll say my two live stream partners love you. Oh, he's <laughs> yeah. he's such he's, And he's such, he's such a, a nice man. He's so down to earth. It's yeah. such you know? a change from what we've had here, though. Like a guy, so nice. uh, an intelligent person with a 21st century analytical mind, a young GM that understands and has a clear vision of what he wants to do. And who we doesn't talk down to people. Years. He doesn't talk down to people. There's he no ego. Make, There's no he ego. He doesn't make you feel like you're stupid for not knowing something. You can ask the dumbest question in the world. And, and trust me, in his pressers, I've heard some of the dumbest oh, I, questions. Yeah. And, and, and he's so patient. What a difference. I mean, you know, unbelievable. So, but yeah, he's talking Thursday for those of you who, who are wondering. He and Dable are going to do a joint press conference. By then, the roster will kind of settle down a little bit. May not be the roster that they take into Dallas the following week, but it'll probably be closer to what it is now. So uh, that's, you know, that's coming up. So, all right, we got one more position group to do. I'm not going to do special teams because, you know, no surprises there, I would think. Oh. Safety, they mm -hmm. kept six: McKinney, Pinnock, Belton, McLeod. McLeod, I think, is going to do more of a going to be more of a corner slash safety. Javarius uh, Owens, Bobby McCain. I think I was surprised that they kept as many that many. I, I thought McCain might be the odd man out. They would go with the youth movement, but in thinking about it, I could see why. I mean, do you guys have any surprises from the safety uh, group? No surprises. Uh, like you just said, and I, I said it earlier, I thought they'd go with five and not six. But I'm not surprised. McCain was the guy I left off on my prediction. But I'm not surprised he made the team. He's a veteran. He started with from within the league. So, you know, and it's a very young group. I mean, all the guys you just mentioned, Belton, Owens, uh, Pinnock's young. I, I mean, they're all young. McKinney's still young. So um, it makes sense. It makes sense that they elected to go with six. Again, we don't know if this is going to be the final. 
They may end up going with five. One of those guys may not make the team. They may hit a corner. We'll see. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised. It, it makes sense when you think about it. And a lot of those – Owens, I think, will be a great contributor to special teams uh, from what I've seen. I mean, the guy's a hard hitter, uh, so I think he'll be a good contributor to special teams. Uh, I'm excited to see what they do with Belton because I do think Belton's a little versatile. You could play him a little bit all over the field. But, obviously, he won't be the starter going in. But, yeah, no shocker. I thought five, they went with six. But none of the names are shockers. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you who's out there that I just noticed. And uh, Chris and I are a big fan. Bumper Pool is a free agent. Bumper Pool, so, sign him. I know Giants fans want to get on board with Bumper Pool, but Carolina did. <laughs> to go with Boogie Basham? Right. Boogie and Bumper, baby. It's uh, good. <laughs> and Nacho? They got right. some creative nicknames on this they team. Do. I'll tell you. Oh, yeah. Gotta come up with one. Sexy Dexy. Sexy Dexy, yep. Leo the Lion. Let's go. We gotta come up with one for Okarake. Fabio. Fabio's not bad. Fabio. Not bad. Quan. Quan for Saquon. We need one for Waller. We need one for Waller. AT for for Thibodeau or Thibs, if you want to call him that. We need one for Simmons. We need one. X-Man for McKinney. Yep. He's the X. Yeah. Geo for Owens. I mean, Gosh, the list goes on and on. We need one for Isaiah, though. What, what, Danny, we'll Do- Danny Dollars. Coined we'll by Patricia Trainer. You Danny. guys in the chat room can think up one for Simmons. Throw it out there, and then when I get when I next see him in the locker room, I'll. I'll we gotta say, get. Hey, we gotta give you a nickname because there's just so many nicknames on this team, right? So. Yeah. All right, guys. I see your questions popping up in the chat box. We will get to your questions. I do have to take a commercial break because I went a little bit over, but I wanted to get all the position groups in. So let me take a quick break and we'll be right back. Please don't go anywhere. Hey, Giant fans. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates, right? So that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. I myself have used LinkedIn Jobs to find aspiring writers for the Giants countryside that I run over on SI's Fan Nation. And the process is not only super easy, but it's a big time saver. Simply add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so so that you can quickly prioritize whom you'd like to interview and hire. So don't spend time sorting through endless resumes and dead-end leads. Put LinkedIn Jobs to work to you today for free by visiting linkedin.com slash NFL. Terms and conditions apply. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Locked on Giants Live. You got Trina, Tana, and Dog. <laughs> Guys, I got a confession to make. Last night when I was wrapping up with Kim Jones and I said, coming up tomorrow, tomorrow we've got Trina, Tana, and Dog. I screwed up the order. I think I said Tana, Trina, and Dog. <laughs> I mean, how, many, how long have I been doing this for? It's close enough. It sounds about the same. Tana, Trina, well, that's, that's, that, that's because Tana, for those of you who don't know, he's a big shot now. We <laughs> of course, hired him to do some, some live streaming before and after games. So Tana's moving up in the world, and it won't be long before he leaves our happy little family. No, no, it's, it's just still like a, I'm, I'm basically like a contractor. They reached out to me, they asked me to do a couple of live streams. So, uh, cool. You know, I was, I was just humbled awesome. that uh, I was just humbled that Bleacher Report would, uh, you know, I, I think the guy saw me post a tweet and he just reached out to me and he's like, I'm a talent. You know, I, I looked at your channel, I'm a talent, per- whatever he called himself at Bleacher Report. 
we would love for you to come on and do a live stream after the game and before the game. So uh, definitely really cool. Gr- great experience. And uh, hopefully it opens up, you know, new windows. If not, it's just I great to so. get you even get that recognition. Yeah, I, I absolutely love it when you guys, you know, get the recognition you deserve. I mean, for me, having done it for as long as, you know, I have and, and just, you know, young writers and, and aspiring, you know, podcasters to, to see you guys get bigger and better things, whether you're a writer or, or a podcaster. That's what it's all about for me, because, you know, I know how I came up through the ranks and how I had to work at it and how I still work at it. And, you know, just if I can help along the way and I'm not taking any credit for you, Tana. I mean, you did it all yourself, but you know, the the exposure and whatnot that you've been getting. And of course I've been also dropping your name around, you know, when I talk to players and whatnot. So anything, you know, if that helps, great. You know, I I appreciate Yeah. Listen, tell them to come on with me. me Let's get, uh, let's get uh, one of those guys on, get us like uh, Owens. You get us one of those guys, get them on with me. I'm actually, I'm working I, 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 there's one player that I would love to have on. And I, I told his, his publicist, I said, look, we do a live stream. I said, even if he comes on for 10 minutes, I said, we'll take 10 minutes. And so they're contemplating it. Cause trust me, I'm constantly asking these guys, Hey, look, we do this live stream. It's very informal. It's very relaxed. We have an audience, um, you know, uh, that ranges, you know, live chat and everything like that. I said, it would be so cool. And, you know, we'll see if it happens. We'll see. If, you know, I keep working at it. Trust me. As long as you're not playing the Eagles, it's relaxed. Because I get a little fired up when you play that. <laughs> I, I know. You're, you're going to be bouncing off the wall. Well, Dallas, too, you'll be bouncing off the wall. I, I can't I just see, uh, Dallas either. I hate them both. I want to beat Dallas so bad week one that I might actually just come out and just talk trash to Dallas. Just <laughs> I, I, just, uh, I, I, I the Cowboys because I must see TV if that I, happens. I just want to say I, I see all the people saying congrats in the chat. I, I just listen. Uh, thank you for all the kind words. I, I mean it. It's the truth. I said it on Twitter. I said it on YouTube. I don't get opportunities like that. You know, as as minor as that may be for some people, that's a big deal for me. I don't get opportunities like that without you guys. So thank you. Uh, the people that watch my channel, the people that support me on Twitter, on YouTube, that support all of us, Bad Dog, P- Patty, everybody. So without the listeners, we're nothing. So, uh, Absolutely. you know, we say it all the time. So thank you guys. Amen. Well said. They're, you know, beaming with pride as he should. So congratulations to you, Papa Guzzo. You raised <laughs> one heck of a, uh, of a son there. Yeah, he's Italian too, so that don't hurt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but he hasn't said anything to you about shaving yet. And I don't have no, because today, because I, I did a live stream, you know, when they were doing the 53 man roster, and he was in there, and I told him, I said, I got to shave tonight. So that's well, what Harry, you know, Harry, you know, Harry I got to shave tonight's show. So I have a freaking um, professional development day tomorrow for work, so I definitely got to shave. <laughs> well, yeah. You can actually dress nice tomorrow. Well, that's good. Harry's isn't a sponsor of tonight's show, but uh, oh, you got Harry's tonight. Oh yeah, Harry's is sponsoring uh, some of our podcasts. So oh, I love I I I use Harry's. They're great. Yeah, they're they're they're, uh, we we, we've got some really cool sponsors. We've got a new ticket um, underdog. I think it's called Underdog Fantasy. Uh, LinkedIn. There's one about the hair. I said, was that for me, Patty? (laughs) (laughs) They're not, they're not on the ad schedule this week. So, you know, and and that's, again, that's a credit to you guys and gals because you guys, you know, tune in, you watch, 
and you know they the sponsors recognize it and that's how we pay the bills um i know as corny as it sounds it does help us pay the bills and we appreciate our sponsors and we appreciate you guys who, who check out our sponsors they try and offer cool things to our listeners and viewers and and uh you know we've i know i've got one more commercial break coming up later on in the program that's more of a subtext community thing about the subtext community that i run which hopefully you guys will stick around to talk about but guys let's talk about free agents potential waiver wire pickups that are out there that might make sense for this giant team um i know the list is pretty exhaustive exhaustive it's like over a thousand names but anybody in particular you guys saw that you said oh i hope shane you know puts a waiver claim in on the sky or or signs this guy Umber pool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was, uh, what's his name? There was a corner. I, I don't think he's going to get to us. There was a corner drop that I saw. Um, from the Lions? Might have been from the, uh, there was, I, I don't think it or was, was it the from Lions. the Panthers. Hold on. I'm going to get you the name right now. There was a corner that was dropped that I was like, oh my God, I would love if we could get him. Let me see. I, I, I know I the Lions did drop somebody unexpected. I, think, I do know that. I think I know who you're talking about. Let me see. Let me see if, if it's who I think it is. Is it, uh, let's see, it's not Darius Rush. He's one of them. He's oh, one he? of them, but, he's, but he ain't getting to us. But yeah. he, he, he's one of the ones that really, st- yeah, stood out. But There was a guy from the Lions, and the name's escaping me now. Um, wait, where's that, that personnel report? Let me yeah, look, let me look at some of the, high, the best. Uh, I got to see if I can find that, that personnel report. Oh gosh! I remember here, like you just said, I remember hearing somebody from the lines, and I was surprised. Yeah, hold on, it was. I know he was from the the, the guy I'm thinking of is, is from the Lions. Hold on, I'm going to oh, see. Jaren, there's Jaren I, got, I got the whole list here, of guys That's that were let go today. Jaren uh, Williams, Colby Richardson, not Brandon Joseph, not Jay Chase Lucas. Lucas, Starling Thomas. That's a guy who I think had a pretty good good. Maybe uh, that's who it was. I thought there was somebody else. I thought I thought there was from from mm, the Lions or was it from another team? Maybe it was another team. Okay. Let me see what the let me see what the chat's saying. I'm maybe. At the, yeah, I'm looking at the list here from from the league. Let's see if there's any names. Roby's a bit. Yeah, Roby was a pretty big name from the Saints that was dropped. Right. Um, that was one. There was like three or four. There was and there was a like we said earlier. Not that there were great, but there was like. A bunch of like semi-quality linemen that were and dropped, and Philly, I think, let go of a of a defensive back, didn't they? Uh Kayvon Wallace, I think, was the guy they let go. Of. Well, that's they made the a one trade today. Desmond yeah. King, Desmond King was who I was thinking of. Thai right. just said it in the chat from the Texans. That's who I was thinking. Okay, of. Yeah. yeah, okay, um, which was a, look- a surprise. And the Colts dropped somebody too. The Colts dropped a shocker today. Let me see. Let me get to the Colts. I remember, yeah, the Colts dropped somebody that I was like a little bit surprised. I got to List is so long, my goodness. Yeah, and they, they, they ended up keeping. Uh, and there was uh, a defensive back for the Colts. I don't remember if it was a DB. It was it was a player that I'm like, wow, we should have interest in him. All um, right, KK, where's the Colts? They, the Colts, they had to make a move today. Let's see, why are they not coming up on my list? I know they dropped somebody that I was that I was like, uh, let's see. Oh, oh, it was. I'm sorry, it was Rush. Yeah, it was Rush. It was Rush. It was, it was Rush. It was Rush. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's who it was. It was Rush. Yeah. Okay. What yeah. about offensive linemen? Because that's a position I think we could all agree that we probably want to 
see them add to? Was there anybody that jumped out at you? And I know there was a guy, I think, was he with Carolina? I'm trying to remember. I remember seeing a bunch of linemen that were dropped today, and and some of them were pretty notable. Deontay Brown uh, was a guy whose name, yeah, that's the guy I'm thinking of from Carolina. Let me see who else. Connor Galvin from the Jets or, or the Lions. Connor Galvin of the Lions. Offensive tackle. That was that that I think that was the one I heard about on yeah. the lines that was intriguing to me because what I heard yeah. when I when I then, uh, listened to what a lot of lines people had to say at least on Twitter he actually had the best camp of uh, like mm-hmm. all the interior offensive linemen they were saying so they were surprised that they caught him and then and then if you want versatility Hakeem Adeniji that that name ring a bell let's see what team he's not with. that one no. That's but somebody. The, but who, the first guy you said from the Lions was the name that I was intrigued by. Yeah. Yeah. Ajaniji is was with the Bengals. He was he's a, he's a guard. He can play guard and and both tackle spots. Ty, Tyrone. Yeah. The Patriots today. That was the Patriots only have one quarterback on their roster right now. How crazy is that? I know. Well, you know, Belichick's got got something cooking up. <laughs> you know, cooking in his pot there. That's wild, though, right? One quarterback wild. a week before the season starts. That is wild, but you know, he's got something. <laughs> so I mean, what? All right, Andy is. Uh, somebody asked about Andy Isabella. Uh, I don't know receivers. I think they're. Gonna we don't be need okay another with. receiver. I don't think they need another receiver. No. I would say corner, offensive, ta- offensive line, not necessarily tackle, unless you want to swap out pair. Um, tight end, we mentioned, is a sleeper. Tight end, definitely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, those are the three, right? Can we do we agree? Corner line. Um... Yeah, right. I think that. Ryan I think Kennard was cut by the by the Chiefs. I think. Oh, uh, what's it? Wasn't uh, the the former Giant cut from the Lions too? The edge rusher. Oh, the Aquara brothers. No, they made yeah. it. Oh, they and both they, made it. Okay, they they were can, and they can thank they can thank Matt Parrott for that. <laughs> yeah, it's true. There were rumors that the one of the the uh, Aquara was going to be cut, not Julian, but Romeo was going to be cut. Uh, but obviously, they ended up keeping him. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just trying to think. Anybody else, dog? What about you? Is there anybody that that you're, you know? No, I'll be honest. I didn't know. I didn't get a chance to look at any of that stuff. I, I get off the live stream, went to the gym, ate my dinner, and came down here. That was that was okay. much right, day fair, enough. fair enough. That's okay. All right. I just figured, you know, we 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 throw that into the conversation. Um, by the way, I see y'all saying hello in the chat. Big hello to everybody. If you're my mm-hmm. everydayers, newcomer. In between, you're all good with me. Love you all. We're going to take your questions. We might as well start taking the questions now. So if you've been asking questions and we haven't gotten to them, just keep popping them in the chat box because we're getting a lot of questions and and feedback in the chat box. And sometimes I miss stuff. So just keep asking it and and, uh, we'll try and... um, We'll try and get to as many as we can here. So let's. Thought, by the way, real quick, I thought it was really cool that show you do with Kim Jones because I remember Kim doing the Yankee stuff, and I always liked Kim Jones. So, and I, she, where did she go? She went to some place. No, no, like NFL Network. I forgot where she went. Yeah, she, she did. Yeah. She did um, the Yankees for for whatever the. the I remember. I remember her she being went to NFL yes. Network. She went to NFL Network, and then yeah. I noticed she started kind of covering the Giants again. So yeah, last so year that was pretty was cool to see both you ladies uh, doing yeah, a show. It was a girls' night. night. It was. It, it was. was. It was awesome. It, it was, was awesome. Not, and, and we were having a nice chat before and after 
the actual taping. So it was really good. You know, I, I, I figured, you know, I, I was actually, I didn't think she would come on with me. I, so I, one day I'm in the press room. I said, Hey Kim, you know, cause we're talking and we talk a lot. She and I, and I said, I said, Hey Kim, would you consider coming on my podcast? She's like, Oh, I'd love to. That's awesome. And I was like, I was stunned because I, I didn't think she would want to come on. She came on and I, and she was phenomenal. I mean, I was, I was very grateful for her for coming on. And she told me, you know, she told me she had a great time. The show did well from what I understand. I didn't, I haven't checked the latest numbers, but the show did well on YouTube as well as on the audio platforms. And just, you know, I like to mix it up. Some days you get just me yammering away on the podcast. Some days you get guests. Some days you get the live stream. I know a lot of you can ask for the live Mixed stream. Up. Hopefully we'll be we'll be doing the live stream once a week, you know, like like we did last year. I know a lot of you liked it. We have a great time when we do the live stream. But uh, I mentioned earlier in the show, um, Jonathan Casillas and, and I, we were supposed to tape tonight, but because the, the roster, the final, or not the final, the initial 53 came out so late, we had to push it to tomorrow. So that's on top for tomorrow. Jonathan going to hopefully give me a little insight, give us a little insight on, you know, these new acquisitions as well as the roster moves and stuff like that. JC's really cool. So glad to have him. And then I just got another email from a publicist who offered me a whole slew of guests. So I've got to sort through that, but it's nice when they reach out to you and they want to book their, their people on your show. So, you know, yeah. So just bring me, bring a different, um, for those of you who are new to this channel, we do different things. David Turner, former NFL scout, works with me. Um, for my subtext community, any of, any of my subtext people out there, we're going to roll out film study, film review. That's going to start soon. We've got an exclusive, what we call Blue and A, which is our Q and A that we do for that I do for our, our uh, subtext community people. So yeah, well, you'll find out more about the subtext in a little bit. That's the next commercial break, you know, coming up in in a bit. Spoiler alert! But let's get some of these questions in. Because um, we have a lot. Uh, I want to kick off with uh, JD who wants to know about Cole Beasley. Um, JD, my understanding, I would not be surprised if Beasley ends up on the practice squad. You know, when Wandale was activated off a of pup, that was kind of an indication that, you know, Beasley yeah. would not make the roster. Now, somebody earlier, I forget who it was, asked about Wandale and will he be ready for week one? I would be surprised if he's ready for week one. I'd be stunned if he's ready for week two. Realistically, I'm guessing he's going to be ready more closer to week three. If I had to take a guess, because remember, you know, you've got that quick turnaround from week two to week three. I'm leaning more towards week. That's the point I was going to bring up. I'm leaning more towards week four because of that. Because it's so well, only, you know, and, and yeah. that's interesting. It's interesting because if it is week four, then you got to sit and scratch your head and say, why did they activate him so quickly? That's they good. That's true. Up yeah. And he would have missed the first four games and you could have brought him back for week five. Yeah. So, you know, that might be something I think I'll, if I can, I might ask uh, Joe Shane about, it. although Joe's probably going to see, oh, well, let's just wait and see. Now, I, I could see them put. I could see Cole playing week one if he's ready to go. If Wandell's not, uh, I if, call him up. I'll make him yeah, they'll, they'll call him up from the practice. Yeah, I think that's why Beasley's here to begin with. That's why we brought him in because he's gonna. If Wandell's not ready to go, obviously they didn't know when camp started what his time frame was going to be in terms of his recovery. He's the natural replacement. He's that. He's he's a slot. That's what he, Cole. That's what Cole Beasley is. So, right. um, if Wandell's a full go, Beasley doesn't have much of a role with this team. Right, right, definitely. Big shout out to NY Swag uh, 2010, 
who is a newcomer. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the podcast. Smash that like button, subscribe. Swag it. It is, it is appreciated. I love this screening and hope you become one of my everydayers. We've got a special group of people who are here every day, including Papa Guzzo. Shout out to you, Papa Guzzo. And I think Amazing Guy is another one. Um, Cy Bryce is another one. Um, Davey Anonymous, I think, checks in every day. Yeah, he's a great so, supporter of ours. Yeah, I try, I try, you know, I've got so many subscribers and I try to remember who's who. So if I mi I'm missing anybody, I apologize, but uh, just got a lot of stuff swimming through my mind but uh just wanted to give a shout out there all right uh let me see we've got uh amazing guy speaking of whom will aaron robinson return he's got to sit out for at least four weeks uh amazing guy will he return you know what the fact that we didn't really see him running as late as you know last week i think he's still a ways off um, yeah. so I, I would say if I had a guess, and this is just a wild guess on my part, maybe we see him after the, the midpoint. And that sucks. Good. And that sucks. Cause I like Aaron Robinson, but he just hasn't, he hasn't worked out. I mean, the guy, the guy's been, banged. Yeah, yeah, he's been banged yeah. up and last year I felt like he was kind of playing out of position and, um, it sucks, but you know, hopefully he gets back sooner than later. Yeah. All right. Daddy, um, real quick. Well, no, you sure. can answer. I wanted to talk about the the captains, if we could, because I know the yeah, captains. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk. You can answer. Yeah. Okay. All right, all right. Let me just. How much playing time do you think Jalen Hyatt will Hyatt will get? Patrick, it's going to be hard to 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 answer that because it's going to be based on um, game planning and and strategy and strategy. There may be some times where you see Jalen Hyatt be the featured guy. There might be a week where you see. Um, Darius Slayton, the feature guy. So you're talking matchups, and I'm I'm not there just yet. I'm kind of just now getting started on Dallas to see where you know where they could potentially get the sweet spot, if you will. But uh, Hyatt's not going to be a you know somebody I think who disappears. I mean, I think he's going to get you know his fair share of of, of uh, past targets. I just don't think he's going to be consistently a, a, a six plus. Receiving yeah, target I, type I, of guy. You hit it on the head. I, I think this receiving core, it's going to fluctuate week to week in terms of the guys that they – outside of Darren Waller, he's going to get his targets every week. Yeah. Jake yeah. one will get his targets every week out of the backfield. They'll feature him in the passing game. Um, But, yeah, I think it's going to be a guessing game. Like, if you have these guys on your fantasy team, Slayton, uh, all these guys, like we, the, one week they may give you two catches, the next week they may give you five. I, I think it's dependent on opponent. Um, and trying to take advantage of their deficiencies. So certain teams, a guy like Hyatt, they they may feel like they could take they could take advantage. I don't think it'll be week one because uh, Dallas has really good corners and they got a really good pass rush. So I think they're going to look for guys more so like slot receivers, guys that create quick separation. I think they'll yep. attack the middle of the field. But I think certain opponents, Hyatt will be more featured. Yeah, absolutely. Jalen Hyatt to torch Trayvon Diggs. I hope one so. Move. <laughs> Trayvon Diggs is a gambler. And you, yeah. you listen. You don't think Jalen Hyatt wants to do a little something against Dallas since they knocked him coming out of college? You don't think there's a little, a little thing? Listen, if nothing else, you bring him out there as a decoy, stretch the field, and open up the middle of the field for guys like Paris Campbell and and Darren Waller. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, it's, it's funny because you know I started reacting to like press conferences, just kind of going over what they say and giving my reaction to it. And before I even, you know, heard Dable's answer, somebody asked him you know, do you have a number one receiver? And I'm like, man, he's not going to say, yes, I have a number one receiver because he just changes things. He just wants the best players in the field. It's not like he's going to say, 
you know, Paris Campbell, you're my number one, or Sterling Shepard, you're my number one. He's just going to put the best guys out there that are going to give him the best matchups, the best opportunities to win, the best, you know, advantages in the one-on-one -on -one matchups. That's what he wants to do. So could there be – is there going to be a guy that asserts himself and becomes a number one receiver? Yeah, there'll be a guy that's, hey, he's got more receptions and more touchdowns than anybody else. But I don't think he's going to dub anybody a number one. Right. I mean, I don't even know if we really have a number one. We have we don't, Wall, Wall is and, and do they need a number one? Well, right. I mean, as a receiver, I mean, like a wide receiver, though. You know, yeah. I, I mean, we've liked Justin Jefferson, obviously, but if Waller can be that guy this year, then you know, do you really? Waller's going to be huge. Waller is something Daniel Jones has not had. And you look at the best teams in the league; they all have great tight ends. San Francisco's got Kittle. The Chiefs have Kelsey. The Eagles have Goddard. I mean, the tight end is a very, very valuable weapon. Hawkinson with the Vikings. Right, Hawkinson. They're, they're a very valuable weapon uh, yeah. this day and age. And the Giants have not had an offensive threat at tight end since what? Martellus Bennett? Like, it's been a long time since you've gone, oh, we kind of got to pay attention to the tight end. So I'm, I'm just looking at what Darren Waller could do. I, I think that could be – I mean, I love the Simmons deal. But yeah. I think getting Darren Waller was my favorite, like – move of the offseason because I just can't understate how much that'll help us in the middle of the field on third down and sixes. He's a guy, a big body, great hands. I mean, he's awesome. And to go back to talking about the captains, like he was voted a captain. He just got here. And the players voted him as a captain on offense. So I think that tells you what kind of person he is, what kind of player he is. Great. He commands immediately walking into that locker room. And I think Daniel Jones is loving it. I think Daniel Jones said, "Thank you, Mr. Shane." It changes yeah. the whole offense. It changed. We, we, you know, we've seen players do. We saw Stephon Diggs do it for the Bills. It changes the whole offense, adding a weapon like that. And yeah, he's by far the most talented tight end we've had in a really long time. But not only is he the most talented, we have the most talented coaching staff that knows how to maximize his abilities. Yeah. Uh, so you pair that, I mean, it's like heaven, I think, what he's going to do for this offense. He's going to make everybody around him better because we last year outside of Saquon Barkley, we did not have a guy you had the game plan for. Adding a guy like Waller enhances everybody. It enhances Barkley. It enhances Jones's legs. It enhances the passing game. It enhances Slayton on the outside. Less size will be on Slayton. Less size, it, like, it's just going to enhance the entire offense. The offensive Absolutely. line, we're not as predictable now this year, so the defense can't stack the box constantly. So it's just going to help the entire offense. And then you look at a guy like Waller, like when you can run the ball and both, you know, Barkley, what Barkley can do. And we know what Jones can do. Those guys had what over 2000 yards rushing between them last year. Pretty close. I forgot what Barkley ended up with. He ended up with 1300. I forgot. I, it was around 1300. So about 2000 yards rushing between Barkley and Jones. You're able to run the ball a little bit. That play action. Or that little RPO just it just freezes those linebackers for a second and Waller's behind him. I mean that that's where that tight end can really be effective. And listen, you guys and girls that are my age or a little older, they remember the Mark Bavaro days. That was always a Giants. That was always a bread and butter. The tight end right up the seam. You see a lot of that from Darren Waller. This I'm pumped about Darren Waller. Yeah, I. I, and I think Daniel Jones is going to have a massive year because of it. I, I, I'm I really excited about this offense this year. If they could stay healthy, I'm really excited about this offense. If they could stay healthy. And by the That's way, the I know a lot, of, a lot of people have asked me, just real quick, and then, Dog, we'll get to what you wanted to talk about. A lot of people ask me what the, the uh, players think about the turf. 
I have heard nothing but good things about the turf. And I think I've told you guys um, on the show, and if I haven't before, um, I'll say it now. I've walked on the new turf. It is so much softer. It is so much like natural grass. And the way I know is because when I stand on natural grass for a long time, yeah. I feel it in my lower back. Right. When I used to stand on the other turf, you know, the, the old turf, I would feel it more in my legs than in my lower back. Now I'm feeling it in my lower back. So that's, you know, it's just, it, it has the consistency, the feel, the look of real grass and the players that I have spoken to love it. Now we, now of course, you know, unfortunately there was Bryce Ford Wheaton suffering that ACL on the new turf, Yeah, you know, so it's going to happen. happen regardless. Yeah. There's yeah. no, you know, Saquon a couple of years ago injured on real grass there's no one turf that is totally injury proof, but the feedback I've gotten from the players, for those of you who've asked me, they like the new turf. That's yeah. a good thing. Everything is getting better here. Everything. Yes, everything. At top, from the very top to the very bottom, all the way down to the turf. <laughs> Improving things here. Getting a better beer selection, better, better sources. And, even, and, and, can, and, and can I give a shout out to the Giants PR staff? They and, and they say we don't we don't appreciate them. They've done a the the uh, pregame spreads have been so good. You said that, yeah. I think you said that on another yeah. show. So you got it me was, excited. Was, yeah, I mean, I, I was dog. You being Italian, you would have appreciated this. They had uh the the mama mama Leone's meatballs, and I'm telling you, my Italian grandmother used to make the best meatballs. I mean, nobody could replicate them. The meatballs they served the other night. Oh my gosh! They here comes the here comes the five minute uh, portion. We get a food sponsor on this show. I mean, we it was you know, Italians always got to talk about food for like five minutes. It has to happen. You got to sprinkle in a meatball conversation for five minutes every stream. You can't go wrong talking about meatballs. Wink, I mean, Wink loves it. You know, we, sure I, I got it. We could call it the meatball minute. There you go. I love it. Oh my God, I love it. And then against the Jets, what did they have? They had um, Mexican. Yeah, they had Mexican. So they had a uh, beef barbacoa and and chicken tinga uh, with the churros and, and beans and 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 the Mexican rice. That wasn't too bad. Food has gotten better here. Like everything's better. Like things are looking up. You know, when when the other guys are. Here, you know, you were getting free medium Pepsis and you were getting a... Uh, I can have all the medium Pepsis I want. That's the beauty of it. You're getting a slice of Chuck E. Cheese pizza and a uh, gas station hot dog. That was your spread. Under- <laughs> <laughs> but I had, to, I had to throw that little, that little, you know, behind the scenes FYI. And now people will disagree with me, I'm sure, because the halftime snack is usually like fried food. So it's chicken fingers and waffle fries or something like that. I don't really indulge on the halftime stuff. I usually get like fruit or cheese, you know, cheese cubes with crackers or stuff like that. But I, I had to throw that out. I know some of you guys like the, the behind the scenes stuff. So FYI, um, dog, did you want to talk? You started to ask me something was it about the salary cap. No, the captaincy, the, the ones that they named captains. Uh, oh, the captains. Okay. Like the fact that, you know, Darren Waller, again, first year here, they named him a captain. Bobby O'Karake also named a captain. And Chris and I were talking about it before. We were wondering if, you know, after Xavier McKinney had the ATV accident, if he would retain his captaincy. But I guess – I didn't know how they did this. So Coach Dable said that the players vote. Yeah. The, 22 uh, different guys got votes. Yep. That's crazy. So Isn't that wild? The yeah. offense didn't surprise me. Well, maybe Waller a little bit, but Thomas, Saquon, and Jones. That yeah, you know the, those were locks. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, I mean, look, they had 10 captains last year and, and not for nothing. The captains, you know, for the t- coin toss, I think you can send up to five, I think, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's five. I'm not sure if it's three or five. But the whole point of the captains, you know, as I see it, you guys remember when Tom Coughlin was here, how he had the leadership council. These mm-hmm. were guys that were, mm-hmm. you know, whose voices carried a lot of weight. They were the, they were like the lieutenants. And even Parcells had his, his lieutenants, if you will. The guys that were his guys that if he told something to – the word, he knew that they were going to get the word down to the rest of the troops. That's kind of what this is like, you know, um, different leadership styles. You know, Waller is, is, is a very, you know, lead by example type, but he's also there. If you, if, if you're a young player and you, and you want advice on, Hey, you know, how do I do this better? Or how do I take care of my body better? Or whatever, you know, a Karake is, is, is an observer, you know, from having spoken with him, he's an observer, and you know, really the, intelligent from everything you hear about him. Holy, I, 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 you saw that I wrote a story about him early on. Um, he was an Eagle Scout. He made yeah. it to Eagle Scout. He went to Stanford. Stanford. He he interned with Dr. Condoleezza Rice when he was in college. Super super smart guy. Yeah. Um, you know, but what's what's cool about this leadership group that they selected? Different styles, but you know, none of them are. You know, I think back, and this isn't necessarily a bad thing, but remember when Antrell Roll was here, Antrell was very outspoken and he wasn't afraid to get in your face and stuff like that. These guys, I think if they see something, they'll say something, but they're, they're, they, they work more of a balance, I guess is what I'm getting at. And again, I'm not knocking Antrell's um, leadership style because it worked, uh, but I don't think you'll see, you know, like a Darren Waller, for example, calling out a teammate for, for potentially dogging it into in, the media. Yeah, I, w- I agree with a lot of what the chat said. I was going to bring him up. I'm not upset, obviously. Waller's a big part of this team. But I would have liked, she- if they were going to give out that many captains, I would have liked to see Shep get it. He's well, I can, I can answer that one for you. Yeah. Yeah, let me hear Shep, it. I've asked Shep about that often. And, right. I, and I said to him, does it bother you that you don't get voted a captain? And he says... He says, no, it doesn't. And he says, and quite honestly, I don't want to be a captain. I says, really? Why not? He says, because I know I'm a leader. He says, my teammates know I'm a leader. And he says, it's really a title. He he says, you know, the the C on on your chest, he says, to some guys that might be a big deal. To me, it's not. He says, for me, it's all about respect. Yeah. You know? So. I'm not, I, it's it's whatever. It's a minor thing. I'm not upset about it, but I I, you know, know, I, I, I mean it's a valid question. It's like how does he not get it? I I don't think he wants it to be honest with you. Yeah. Um. You know, because like 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 I said, you know, it's like you don't want to be the ribbon cutter. You want to be the. You, but he's a guy that everybody knows that they can go to, you know, and and for advice and stuff. You know, it's kind of like Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor has been in the league for over ten years now, or whatever it is, and he still has young teammates going up to him you know, with questions about how to take care of themselves, how to watch film, what to look for. So sometimes you don't need the title, you know, titles can be, you know, sometimes they're not worth the paper they're written on. It's about what you do and how you carry yourself. So trust me when I say Shep is regarded as a leader, even though he doesn't have the C on his chest. Yeah. He's so, definitely respected in the locker room. I think that's a big reason he was brought back here, too, was because of his leadership. And I know we talked about that last year, that, you know, would the Giants bring him back for simply that, 
you know, even though he's had a lot of injury. But listen, I'm a Sooner fan, and when they drafted Shep, I was, you know, so happy. I mean, I hated the Eli Apple pick that year. <laughs> you and both. I was pissed. Like, I was mad um, about that. More mad than when we drafted Daniel Jones. Like, I, that's probably the worst draft pick. And, again, it's because – Is there any video of this, by the way? There is a video of it, yeah. There's a video of that. It's on my page. You just got to type in Eli Apple react or something. It, it's late, but that's laced with F-bombs, so I wouldn't – that is – that is pure uncut. That's in 2016. My channel was a little bit different this before. My son was born, and I kind of made it more PG-13. You know, I'm kind of PG-13 now. Although if I watch the Yankees, it's definitely rated R because I swear a lot because they really just ticked me off. But, no, that was the day after that they drafted him. But I was so pissed because of the way it worked. You know, they knew he wanted Conklin, and Tennessee traded him and got him. They knew he wanted Leonard Floyd. All this stuff leaked out. And then the Bears got Floyd, and as soon as they got Leonard Floyd, I was mad to begin with, and then they drafted Eli Apple, and I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. That was a panic pick. Oh. It was, as was Eric Flowers, in my opinion, was a panic, a reach. So I just, but I loved the Shepard pick. Like, I loved the Sterling Shepard pick. And I was like, this kid is so good at Oklahoma. I'm like, he could be like, he could be like Victor Cruz. This is a boy I kind of compared to him. Like he can play inside, outside. He's not the fastest guy, but if he gets in front of you, it's hard to catch him down. He's got great hands. He's a good kid. Like he's a leader. Never, it never worked. He had a good rookie year. Um, He had some drop problems his rookie season, but then he's just dealt with a lot of injuries. But I always root for Shep. Absolutely. Uh, And and, hopefully he bounces back and has a good year. Yep. Absolutely. How can you not root for Shep? He's just such a sweetheart, such a sweetheart of a guy. And, and just, you know, I want to see him go out of the game on his terms, if at all possible. I don't want to see him get hurt again. I'd love to see him lead the game with a ring. That, that it would just, be so, it would be so great. That, that would just be, you know, yeah. if he made some kind of valuable contribution in like a big game and like, it would be so great to see him go out, you know, on top. I hope he gets to win before, you know, before he leaves. But yeah, he's, he's everything you want in a player. He's like Barkley to me. Like they're they're who I want in New York Giants. You could tell they're proud to be here. Um, they carry themselves well. They're leaders. Um, yeah, I think there's value in that, and I, that's why I want Barkley to be a giant. I want him to retire a giant, but it's got to work financially. But um, yeah, I, lo- I love Shep uh, defensively as far as the captains go. I don't think any arguments could be had. Maybe somebody wants to say. Cave on, uh, but he's in year two. Dex and Leo, veterans, guys that are widely respected. Okay, the middle linebacker. They Kayvon, time in. is coming, just not this year. It's coming next year. I think Cave will get the captain badge because yeah, Leo won't be here. He'll probably get Leo's badge. Um, but yeah, I mean, Adori got it. I think McKinney got it. So I, yeah. my my only gripe, I guess, would be probably too many captains. Like uh, you know, I think yeah. last year though, too. I think they had ten last year. Yeah. It's it, it's no different than the leadership council when they yeah. have like a dozen or so guys on the leadership council. Yeah, the, the number doesn't bother me. Some people look at it and say, "Oh my God, really? Ten captains?" It's you know you can only send. I think, like I said, I think up to five after the to- coin toss, and only one guy can call it. So I mean, come on. Yeah, you know, it's just wearing that badge, you know, on your on your jersey it's and intimidation factor. You, know. you strut out, sexy Dexy and Leo. You know, who wants any part of that? Nobody. Exactly. Strut them and, you know, and, and sexy Dex is walking down with a little bit of a swag. Oh, you know, know, is, you know, is the man. 
You know, no, Mr. Reliable. I call him. just knocking down 58 yarders like he's just kicking them off a tee in practice. But you know how much that guy is? You know, I, we I, should I, give I, him I a lifetime contract. I, you know, I, I okay. had an opportunity to talk to him earlier in camp. And I, and you know how I call him Mr. Reliable. And, and, and I, and I let it slip out. I called him Mr. Reliable. And he laughed and he, and he was just so modest about everything. I said, Graham, you make it look so easy. Yeah. And he, and he goes and and he's just so modest about it. He goes, oh, thank you know. And then he's he's, he's crediting, you know, Casey Kreider for the great snaps and Jamie Gilliam for for getting the ball down. And he, he's just deflecting all the the praise that he's getting. I says, yeah, but Graham, you're the one who's got to put it through the uprights. Best move Dave Gettleman ever made. What <laughs> best free agent? What of? Let's be real. Best free agent. Best free agent. Listen, Gano kicked a 63-yarder against us on fifth down. I'll never forget that as long as I live. Fifth down. I mean, down. the truth of the matter is – That was like a kick in the you-know-what, right? What's that? That was like a kick in the you-know-what. Yeah. That one was brutal. Um, I bet. I bet. You know, I mean, again, just it, it, what a weapon uh, Graham Gano is. It's, you, it's just you, you, you think about – So good. You, you yeah. think about all the close games we played last year. If you substitute, you substitute Gano for an average kicker, we might win seven games last year. Like he makes a huge difference for this team. Huge, huge. difference. It is huge. I mean, you get to the you get to the thirty nine yard line, and you're like, you know, the hell with this. Fourth and six, we're not going for him. We're not punting. Send Gano out there. We'll get three from here. Yeah, he's he's you awesome. Know, I, I'm looking for it in the chat. I saw somebody in the chat ask me if I thought Boogie Basham is going to be on the fifty three. They just traded for the guy. Why wouldn't he? Yeah, oh, there. of course he's going to be on the fifth. I, yeah. I don't understand where that question came from. But I forgot to mention about Graham Gano. So he got paid last year because Kayvon Thibodeau took his number five. This year, Isaiah Simmons did not ask for number nine. I thought he might get another bag from Simmons, but Simmons, I guess, is going to I 19. think I saw where Simmons picked a new number, but I can't 19. remember what the 19. number was. Is it 19? 19? And I think Tay Banks is turning is going to be 25. Yep. That's why you never buy jerseys. Mark Collins. Right. You never buy jerseys. Evan Neal was the same. Evan Neal was uh, 70. He turned, turned to 73. Right. And, and never... Schmitz is going to keep 61 for the yeah. time being. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. Mark, I loved Mark Collins. You wanted to, oh, I, he's one of my favorite man. Giants, ever, one of the more underrated Giants. That oh. man covered Jerry Rice as good as I saw anybody cover Jerry Rice. In his heyday, uh, man, I like I that nineteen ninety Giants team. I loved that secondary. Myron Guyton, Everson Walls he beat the hell out uh, of Jerry Rice. I remember they were, that. They they and, were and, awesome. and also in the Super Bowl against yeah, Mark Collins. Yeah, he was a beast. Oh, and and he's in that. And I'm pretty sure Mark Collins was in that. We are the New York Giants video, which is goaded. Mind you, I think that's what the kids call it, or lit, or whatever you guys say nowadays. Whatever the I think it's slang is. The in my day, you would call that dope. Um, <laughs> Nineteen ninety, but if anybody's there, if you've never seen that, we are the New York Giants. I saw it. Video, watch. It. <laughs> I remember when it first came out. I thought to myself, "Oh my god, this is so corny." Just the way they got it, you know, because it wasn't. Herb Welch is in it. It's amazing. Right? What, I, what if, I remember Herb Welch was in it. Was it William Roberts in it too? Yes, I think William Roberts, Mark Collins. It was a it was a thing of horrific. Oh my gosh. Cheesy, like you would believe. It, it, it was so corny that that it was it, it was the ripoff of the Super Bowl shuffle. But <laughs> I like the know. Super Bowl shuffle better, if I'm being honest with you. But yeah, oh the Super Bowl shuffle was definitely better. 
That was that one was a hit. That, that one was a hit. hit. Even though I couldn't stand the Bears and, and Punky McMahon and everything like that, but yeah, yeah. Oh gosh, now we're dating ourselves here. So yeah, a lot of our young people are like, what the hell are they talking about, right? You know. So all right, let me see. Um, if we have some questions, Banks changes number. We just talked about that. Uh, let's see. Gano was discovered by Jim Fossil. I don't know that if that's true. Yeah, that's a that's a. I didn't know that. That's an interesting fact. And let's see. Do you, oh, here we go. Um, I, I'm not sure about this question, but do you think the Giants will move the ball on four and ten in a game this year in 2023? Fourth and ten. That it, it depends on the field position. Yeah. I mean, mm. you, you, you can't sit here. No, and say, no, unless it's unless it's desperation time, because like Bad Dog just said, yeah, and when you're kind of in no man's land with this team, there's not really much of a no man's land because Gano yeah. has length up to 60 yards so uh you're fourth to 10 you probably have a higher percentage of kicking it from 62 yards with Gano than converting the fourth to 10 so no all i don't right. think we'll be unless it's desperation time i don't think we'll be going for it all right doug analytics wants to know any candidates to be put on ir tomorrow mcleod brightwell cam brown dj davidson davidson's not hurt as far as i know so i don't think he would be um you know what, Doug? It's it's hard to say because I don't know the extent of all these injuries. Uh, McLeod, I'm told, should be okay for the start of the season. I don't know where Gary Brightwell stands, but you know if they have to put him down for you know and just carry three guys, so be it. Um, Cam Brown, I I, I know he's Somebody, been somebody's not up. making this team for sure. That's on the roster. I, I I'm not. Yeah, I, I'm sure there's going to be guys that are put on IR, and I and I don't think it's tomorrow they can do it. I think it's the next day. This isn't t- tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. I think tomorrow you set the practice squads, and then tomorrow, I think the, next, the Giants can make claims tomorrow, can't they? Yeah, claims I think have to be made by is it noon or six o'clock? I think I saw two different things. Let me look it up. NFL. And last year we picked we picked up Pinnock, so you know we might Pinnock, we might make yep. you know right. make, make an me, impact signing. Let me see. I'll tell I'll tell you. I got I got the important dates up here. All right. Let's see. Uh, August thirtieth claiming period for players placed on waivers at the final roster reduction will expire at twelve noon. So as of twelve oh one, waiver claims will be announced. Uh, practice squad can be established of up to sixteen players. Let's see that that can happen after 12 noon as well. And then, okay. Beginning at four o'clock New York time, any player placed on reserve injured reserve, non-football injury or illness or practice squad injured during the regular season or postseason may be designated for return later in the season. Okay. So that means Tommy Sweeney, who was placed on non-football uh, non-football illness is not eligible to return. Okay, so that that clarifies that, but yeah. So tomorrow's a big day with 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 the roster as well. Um, training camp officially ends September third. That's the final day of the preseason, and then the let's see. I think the cap teams have to be under uh, the cap, I believe, by September fourth, right? Or is it September fifth? Let me see. Okay, injury reports start on September 4th through 9th. Um, yeah, I, I know it's coming up. So, because right now we've got the top 51, and the top 51 is going to expire soon. So, 
Yeah, some key dates coming up on the NFL calendar for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. Listen, guys, I got to take one more commercial and then we will take your questions the rest of the way out. So please don't go anywhere. Hey, Giant fans, when the Locked on Giants podcast is over, did you know that you can continue the conversation with me, Patricia Trainer, host of the podcast? That's right. Simply join our new subtext community, an exclusive group of subscribers who are looking for a more intimate setting that includes being among the first to receive breaking news and views that you won't see on my social media podcasts or articles. We're also offering subscriber exclusives, including a weekly community Q&A that's done via video and a new weekly film study done with former NFL scout David Turner. And did you know that as a member of the Lachlan Giants subtext community, you can also text one-on-one with me? I love hearing from my listeners, and I'm so glad to be a part of this program, and I hope you'll want to try it out as well. And you can try it out, by the way, risk-free for 14 days. If you like it, do nothing, and then you'll pay just $4.99 a month after your free trial period ends. If you don't like it, Cancel before your trial period ends and owe nothing. I'm confident that you're going to enjoy the subtext community as much as I do and as much as my other subscribers do. And I hope you'll consider giving it a try. To sign up, visit joinsubtext.com slash locked on NY Giants. Again, that's joinsubtext.com slash locked on NY Giants. Message and data rates may apply. Check with your cellular carrier for details. All right, everybody. That's that subtext program that I was telling you about. And if you missed the URL, I'll have it on the bottom of the screen if you are interested. And trust me, I spend a good hour every day texting back to everybody. Try to to answer everybody um, if I can. Sometimes if I get multiple questions, I'll just do one big broadcast, but uh, a lot of people today, I was keeping everybody up to date as soon as I heard cuts. I'm like, okay, I must have sent that about literally 20 texts today, but uh, we're going to do a film study starting. Um, I'm not sure if it's going to be this week or next week, but Isaiah Simmons is going to be the first uh, guy we're going to do. Yeah, and, gonna, and then we've got the yeah, Q&A. You know I'm getting so. an Isaiah Simmons jersey. I don't <laughs> care. I'm pumped about Isaiah Simmons, damn it. That's my guy. That's his guy. That's his guy. So. He's going to destroy the Eagles. Watch. He's going to destroy the Cowboys. Maybe I don't know how much playing time he's going to get week one. Cowboy, Cowboys cut um, a player, uh, Jabril Cox, today, who's a similar type of skill set to Isaiah Simmons. I was a little, yeah. That was a guy a lot of Giants fans wanted a couple of years ago in the draft. I was a little surprised by that one. All right. Let me oh, grab this question. Big guy, baby. Let's go. All right, Moo, I didn't see your question before, so my apologies. How soon can other teams grab practice squad players? Moo, it depends. Um, wait, if you, wait, okay, hold on. If you're talking about players that are signed to the Giants practice squad, they can grab them, I think, by week two. So they have to be on the practice squad at least one week. So as of week two, I think, is when they can start signing guys, I believe, is, is how soon they can do it. If you're talking about practice squad players – from last year that are on waivers, you know, I just gave you the date for the, the waiver wire thing. But I, if you're talking about, you know, the 16 band practice squad that can happen, you know, pretty much instantly. So hope that answers your questions. Um, all right. Abe Froman asks, is Beaver's gone because we picked up Simmons? 
I don't know if that is the if you could say that's the reason per se. I I mean, I'd I'd actually reverse it. I'd say we picked up Simmons because we knew we were getting Beavers wasn't yeah, going to make. Yeah, I I would agree I, with that. I yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I don't. I think they knew when they made that move that Beavers wasn't going to be here, and that they yeah, wanted I to think, add more quali- uh, quality uh, to that unit. Play checkers. Joe Shane plays chess, baby. Yes, yeah. yes, definitely. One move ahead of the competition all the time. Sometimes two moves, probably. Okay. Uh, let's see. Jonathan Chris asks, "What's your expectations for Hodgins?" Coming off a big year, but quiet camp. You got to remember, sometimes with these players having quiet camps, that doesn't mean that they're, you know, bad or they regress. It could mean that the coaching staff knows what they got in them and they want to take a look at other guys. So yeah, I think I mean, Hodgins and is going to be fine. The other thing I'll say, Patty, the only time we got to see Hodgins with the first team offense in a preseason game, he looked great. He had, yeah. he had two catches on that drive. One was the longest catch of the drive for, I want to say, about 20 yards. So, um, I don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to put up thousands of yards because like we talked about earlier, I think there's going to be a different featured guy each week based off of the strength of the defense. But yeah, I think Hodgins is going to be a big time contributor this year for this team. He's going to be a threat in the red zone big time, right? He was great for us last year in that area. So yeah, I, 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 have, I still think just as highly as uh, I did about Hodgins three months ago. Yeah. I was, I was just going to say that the, the, your exact point, Chris, in the red zone, um, I mean, the Giants are one of the better teams in the That was a shift, uh, being one of the better teams in the red zone. You know, everybody points to Daniel Jones. Oh, you only threw 15 touchdowns. Of the, but we were extremely efficient in the red zone. And that's that. it doesn't matter how you're scoring your points as long as you're scoring them. Now that you added a Darren Waller, I mean, even da- Daniel Bellinger was a threat before he got hurt down there. Like, he had like three touchdowns the first month of the season. One was a rushing touchdown because he was going to throw it and said, I'm not doing it, and he ran it into the end zone. Which, and we didn't have Isaiah Hodgins at the beginning of the year. So we had a six foot four receiver to a six foot five tight end or six six, however tall Darren Waller is. And then you, you got a you know a couple of really shifty slot guys uh, down there with Barkley's ability to run and Jones' ability to run. That is a really it's it's hard to pick like who do we stop? Yeah. And that's why Chris, you and I talk about how Bellinger could be a sneaky six touchdown guy. Because everybody's going to look for Barkley to run. And when you do that little play action for the two, that's in the backup tight end. Everybody's going to go with Waller. Yeah. And then your backup tight end just slips out into the, into the corner of the end zone. He's wide open. And that's exactly what happened when they scored that touchdown. So, I mean, yeah. this offense I, is going to be so much more dynamic than it has been in previous years. Inside that seven, eight-yard line, I expect a ton of of RPO because you want to keep all your options open with the ability to be able to use Jones's legs. If things break down the, the ability to hand off to Barkley or Jones to roll out and be able to connect to one of these shifty receivers. Like you just think of all the different things they could do with all the different people. Wondell Robinson, I think is a really valuable piece inside the red zone too. Uh, we saw that his last game before he got hurt, the way they used him in motion at the five yard line, he caught an easy touchdown. Like there's so many different weapons. that could do that with Taylor Hyatt too. You could see those little shovel passes. And yeah. it's a guy feeling high. I mean, there, there's just there's a lot more size down yeah. there to begin the year with you know Hodgins and and Waller. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And when you got a guy like Kafka calling the plays, it's just it's just a pre snap motion. I mean, you defenders aren't going to know what football. What's that? Matchup football. They couldn't do it last year. Yeah. They can do it now. Both yeah. sides of the ball. We got depth. We got more talent. So different, different looks. Keep sleeping, Cowboy fans. Keep sleeping because you're going to get a wake-up call on September 10th. 
and you ain't gonna like it. Eagles too. Caddy, I'm ready. I know, I can see it, dog. You gonna be bouncing off the. I I can't wait till we do the show uh, leading up to the to, to the Cowboys game. You're gonna be bouncing off the walls, man. Can't wait, can't wait. Oh, so then, if oh, it's gonna be awesome. It is gonna be awesome. All right, let's get some more of these questions. And Jonathan, Chris, you think Simmons will be linebacker two and start, or will he be a situational linebacker for us? Um, I think. The Giants mostly don't they usually do? Uh, let me think for a second here. I don't know if I would plug him in as ILB two. I mean Simmons, it's like kind of hard to plug him in. I, I, is he going to be more of a pass rusher? Is he going to? He's going to play a lot. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Um, let me just see where did he line up? Where did he start? They put him at the middle, but they 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 moved him though. And that yeah, game but was he the weak side linebacker? Yeah, they played him off the edge a bit. They they moved him around in that game, but it was only five plays. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you know, Wink always talks about a positionless defense. That's what that's what my answer. That's was why be. you know when I, it's funny. Initially, when I wrote out my my uh, roster projection for Giants country, I had inside linebacker, outside linebacker. Well, they go and you get Simmons, and I said to you know I called a friend of mine up. I said, would you put this guy in inside or outside? And he goes positionless. So yeah. I merged the linebackers together because I just didn't know where That's to put That's why him. it's a great fit. He's a positionless player for a positionless defense. Like, I, I don't want to label him strictly an inside linebacker. I think he will line up there a lot. But I don't view this team as having a base defense. They're going to come with so many different looks. There's going to be times he's on the field. There's going to be times he isn't based off the opponent, based off the situation. Third and short, he's probably not in there. You probably go with more of a bigger linebacker because you're trying to stuff the run third and medium to third and long. You want him for coverage or to rush the passer. So I, I don't want to label it. I don't think there is a LB two. I think there's going to be a platoon there. I think the only guy that's going to play strictly linebacker pretty much every down is going to be okay. Um, they're just going to have so many different looks. Yeah. If you, I mean, I know Rogers got away from him because Rogers has made a career out of that. But if you saw the speed that Isaiah Simmons, it looked like he was shot out of a cannon with how he exploded into the quarterback. And that, I mean, obviously, I love that. But um, I'm just, yeah, I, I just, man, it's been so long since I went into a freaking giant season going, wow, like, and just thinking about the future, just know, to have a GM that knows what the hell he's doing because none of the damn teams I root for have a good GM, except the Giants. Well, now Cashman ain't been good ever. And the Knicks have had 10 million GMs, so it doesn't really matter. But <laughs> I just watching the way they do things, just and again, when I listen to Brandon Brown's presser, I'm just enthralled by the amount, the just the things that they do and everything that they cover and just the amount of communication. He's, he's naming guys I don't even know exist in the organization. I go to this guy for this. I go to that guy for that. We discussed this, and we went over there, and we scouted here, and we traveled here. And very, we did very intricate the way it's they do things. Very intelligent. And it is, yes, it's I, organized. I, I don't want to lose Brandon Brown. I, that's why every yeah. time I mention Joe Shane, I try to always mention Brandon Brown because he can't listen. I hate Philadelphia, but let's face it. Their front office has been well-run for years, or they wouldn't be as competitive as they are. He came from that. And the Bills, same thing. So we got smart minds in our front office. And, yeah, I think the Giants are ahead of schedule because technically we're still rebuilding. They've only been – it's only their second year. They're trying to get their players in here. Um, but just watching the master class 
Dog, I'm telling you, I'm going to tell Joe Shane that you love him. I'm a big fan of Joe Shane. I, I, I'm going to tell him. If I get a ch- if he comes off the podium and I get a chance to, to, to talk to him, which I'm sure I will, I'm going to say, dude, I got to tell you, my boy Dog and my boy Tana love you. And I just and have to say, who the hell are they? <laughs> get him on our show. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> oh, you love that, dude. I oh, I'd have a blast cool. talking with Joe Shane. I wouldn't even. I just listen. Yeah. If you want, if you want to ever shut me up, <laughs> Joe Shane, I just sit here. <laughs> no, you 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 be you be sitting this there. No, 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 dog, dog. You, you you remember the episode of the Brady Bunch where Cindy Cindy was like wide eyed when the camera came on? That would be you. I would be. I'd be. That I'd be. be, I'd, be like I'd be sitting here with my notebook going, "Yup, yup." Yes, sir. Whatever you say, sir. Yes, exactly. <laughs> now Joe's a cool guy. He really is. I I, I like him so much. All right, let's get uh, Harlem X asks about Max Dugan. Someone uh, we should target. Um, they've got DeVito. They've, they've invested this much in DeVito. I don't know necessarily if they would target him. I think there's some other needs that they can, you know, look for. But, you know, if DeVito gets snapped up by somebody, then, you know, why not kick the tires and see? I mean, if, if there's not, nothing else, this front office, they'll look at everybody. You know? Yeah. I, like of how I did like him a lot. Duggan's tough. Duggan's tough. When he was at TCU, he's a damn tough quarterback. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to it, but yeah, I, I think the, I think it'll be Devito. I think Devito's going to be on the practice squad. He played from within the offense. Um, yeah, I think they're going to try to develop him. And if he doesn't work out, they'll probably draft a guy like Duggan next year to be the backup. That's probably what where we're headed if Devito doesn't develop into that by next year. I think we all could see the writing on the wall. T- Taylor's not going to be back after this year. They're going to save that six million. They'll get a guy for a very cost-effective salary, whether it's the draft or whether it's DeVito, if he develops. So, no, I don't expect this to pick up Duggan. I think DeVito's going to be the three, but I wouldn't be opposed to it. I like Duggan. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I think, you know, like I said, they've invested this much in, in, in DeVito, and if they get him back, continue developing him. And if they don't, then you, then it's onward and upwards. I mean, the good thing about this staff is they know how to develop guys. You know, uh, I saw somebody and I forget who it was. Somebody questioned whether Bobby Johnson was, was a good coach. He's fine. You know, I mean, look, you look at the coaching and, and for what it's worth. Yes. In the past, the giants have had some shaky coaching. I'm not going to deny that, but also some of it is on the players too. Sometimes you get players in here and they just don't want to be coached. There was a former first round pick whose name shall not be mentioned. I think you guys will probably guess who I'm talking about because he was an offensive lineman. And uh, he got jettisoned out of here. So you guys know who I'm talking about. He just didn't want to be coached. He thought he, 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 you know, he would stick with what got him to the NFL and it wasn't working in the, you know, at the, for the Giants. And he was being stubborn and, hey, bye-bye, baby. You know? I honestly Jeez. thought you were, I thought you were talking about Tony. That's what I thought you were talking about. No offensive. I know line. you're talking about nobody. Yeah. yeah, you're talking about flowers, but I, I thought you were talking about Tony. I'm first. not mentioning any names. You guys can guess <laughs> and it's probably cold. figure out who I'm talking about. Practice, right? I, I try not to drop names. I just dropped it, so you don't have to. Okay, that, that, that. I was dropping that name for three years. I was dropping him. <laughs> oh gosh, let's see. Um, I just saw a question here. This is a legitimate question. How do I feel about Dave Gettleman or we feel about Dave Gettleman? 
All right. First off, as a person, I never had a problem with Dave. You know, I think a lot of you know, I'm a cancer survivor. Dave is a cancer survivor. We had that in common. And we used to compare, you know, battle stories about, we used to compare, you know, hey, how did your your PET scan go? Oh, it was terrible. You know, how was your MRI? And we would talk about, you know, that sort of stuff. So on a person to person level, Dave and I were fine. As far as, you know, the job he did, we can probably agree that when it came to scouting talent, you know, when you look at the Andrew Thomases, the Dexter Lawrences, uh, Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, you know, he left Joe Shane with a decent core of players, a decent foundation. Where Dave fell short, in my opinion, and I said this, um, a lot of people, you know, for whatever reason, didn't listen to me because they thought I was a gentleman, you know, apologist, which I'm, I'm not. Dave did not know how to manage the cap. And it was evident in the contracts he gave out. Yeah. That is why when Shane took over, this team was in cap hell. That is why this team is still kind of in a little bit of cap hell. Dave, to me, you know, he, he overbid on certain free agents. Um, and, and it just seems like at times I question if he knew how to marry his his stellar drafting or his solid drafting, I should say, with free agency and the other aspects of building a football franchise. So yeah. there was some good to come out of Dave and there was there was some stuff that you just were left shaking your head and saying, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. So, you know, I'll, I, I'll, I, start, with, I'll start with my opinion. Today. And you obviously knew him on a more personal level than me, obviously. Um He's either the type of personality you love or you hate because uh, he came up as obnoxious. I loved his personality personally. Uh, he's the type of guy that w- I would love to grab a beer with Dave Gettleman. I think he's hysterical. I think he would make me crack up. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I thought that he was a guy that didn't give a crap and he was going to do what he wanted to do. And sometimes you agreed with him. Sometimes you didn't. Um, I thought he was a great scout. And I think he proved that with his draft picks. But overall, he was a horrible general manager. And. Uh, you know, you look at his draft picks, some of the picks you didn't even mention. Obviously, Daniel Jones has worked out now. Dexter Lawrence looks like it's going to work out. Xavier McKinney, Aziz Ojolari look like good second round picks. Julian Love was a good pick. Darius Slate. Then you was had a good the DeAndre pick. Bakers. Andrew Thomas, BJ Hill. Everybody forgets about that because he had to trade him because he couldn't build the lines. That was a good pick. He, Nick Gates, was a good find for an undrafted free agent. He was a good evaluator of talent. He was above average in terms of a drafter, and I feel like a lot of people don't give him credit for that. But in terms of an overall general manager, he was horrible. He he didn't manage the cap well, like you said. His he he the, the thing the difference between him and Joe Shane. What did you say? He outsmarted himself. He outsmarted himself, and the and the difference between him and Joe Shane for me outside. Well, there's many things, but the major difference for me is Joe Shane, like Bad Dog said earlier, has a plan A, a plan B, a plan C, a plan D, a plan Z. Dave Gettleman changed his plan every year. There was no direction with Dave Gettleman. That's what it felt like. And he was a very good scout. He was a bad GM. He he knew how to draft. He knew how to evaluate talent, but he didn't know how to construct a football team collectively, whether, you know, in terms of cap management, free agency, um, coaching staff, some of that has to fall on him, whether it's Maris' fault or not. So... I know he left some good and I'm appreciative of the good that he left. And I'm also appreciative that we have a a general manager now in Joe Shane that does not have an ego that is willing to basically give Dave credit for those players and say, I'm willing to work with these guys because they're going to help this football team. So there was some good that came from it. And bad dog and me out of everybody on YouTube, 
I don't consider our, uh, us Dave Gettleman homers at all, but we were one of the few that I felt like gave him a real fair opportunity. Um, it was year four where he lost me. Like before that, at least I tried yeah. to see where he was going. And then year four for him just to completely ignore the offensive line. That's where he lost me. That's where he lost me. Because, look, I always try to be fair as well. And, you know, some people accuse me of being a homer. Yeah. I'm trying to be fair. All right. And when I saw what he was trying to do with, with all those free agent signings and then the Kyle Rudolph signing, somebody mentioned that, you know, signing the guy despite the fact that he needed surgery because it was a classy thing to do. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? The, you know, this approach didn't work in 2016. It didn't work for the Eagles when they did it. What makes you think signing all these free agents is going to work now? Yeah. That's not how you build. Now, it's possible that Dave was under pressure, that maybe, you know, ownership is like, Dave, look, we got to do something. We got to win. We got to turn it around. And Dave figured, okay, you know what? I'll just keep printing up money and stretching out the cap. Get veterans in here so this way the learning curve is less. But it didn't work because then you look at the coaching staff. And then, oh, by the way, how many times Gettleman and Judge butt heads? Yeah. Quite a few. People don't realize it. And when, so you, don't, when you don't have that, that, that synergy, like what Dable and Shane have, you know, I keep talking about this. I keep talking about how Dable and Shane are of the same voice. It's like they can finish finish each other's sentence, all right? That's why you see them. At, they're, they're talking on at, on Thursday to the media, the two of them together. One voice, one message, finish each other's sentence. That's what was missing with Dave and before that, Jerry Reese and Tom Coughlin. Yeah, yeah. you know, I, it's funny because I feel like Judge and Gettleman have the same type of personality where you – they wouldn't admit they were wrong. Like their ego would yeah. not allow, oh, I messed up here. They would blame somebody else. And that, that's, to me, I, I kept saying, you know, Joe Judge, you can keep throwing people in front of that bus, but eventually that bus is going to run your ass over too. And it did. Um, yeah, I like Gettleman's personality. I'm an obnoxious guy. I can respect another obnoxious guy. His Boston accent always cracked me up. And I agree with Chris. You know, Chris and I were after year three. A lot of guys wanted him gone. I said, listen, if he gets fired, it ain't going to hurt my feelings. If they keep him back, I understand. Like, I was on board. Let's give him a fourth year. He took up a really bad situation. But, yeah, when he did not address that offensive line and he came in here saying he was going to fix it, and he did not fix it, it was hard to trust anything he said. Also, when he comes out and says, we're going to rebuild and win at the same time, you can't do that. So, again, that speaks to Chris's fact that he had no direction. He didn't know how to manage a cap. So, yeah, he could scout talent. He was good at that. It didn't help that his coaching staffs were terrible. I, I mean, no. they, they didn't know how to get the – GM didn't hire the coaching staff. I don't right. think a lot of people know and, that. And, and the other thing I'll say, and I'm, and I'm not making excuses for Dave. I'm glad he's gone. I think we have a much better general manager yeah. now. The other thing I'll say that I think hurt Dave and Daniel Jones was the firing of Pat Shermer. Oh, I, think, yeah. I think had they kept Shermer for another year – you would have completely wiped it clean if it didn't work out. But when you, like Bad Dog said, when you had a, a coach and a GM on a different wavelength, they didn't come in together. They didn't work. It's it's chaos. So it was a mistake. It was a mistake to I I it was a mistake to move on from Sherman after two years. I think you would have been able to blow it up a year sooner than they did if things didn't work out, or maybe things would have started to work out. We'll never know. I don't think they would have because I don't think Sherman was a very good head coach. But I think that was another thing that was a mistake. I think by Mara. 
to, to move yeah. off of Shermer after say? just one year by Daniel Jones. Yeah. I mean, again, just because you're a good scout of talent doesn't make you a good GM. There's a lot more that goes into a GM than just drafting. And, you know, he couldn't trade. His trades were terrible. His management of the cap was terrible. His coaching staffs were terrible. And, again, he would never admit that he did anything wrong. He, he, he's always the smartest guy in the room. He wanted to be the smartest guy in the room. And I, I still don't know what the hell kind of direction he was. Do- I don't know what he was doing. I, I still don't know where he was yeah. going. Uh, I love Saquon, but if you're going to rebuild – you don't rebuild with a running back. That's not. That's not yeah. how you start. Well, it was short term. I mean, I know what he was trying to do. Not to interrupt you. I swear. I keep saying this myself, and, and this is just pure whatever. I, I I can't think of the word. Because of what they did to Eli Manning in 2017, when they benched him in favor of Geno Smith, I swear this was. I and I could be completely wrong. I swear Mara had so much to do. With the Barkley pick, because they wanted to atone for embarrassing Eli Manning, letting McAdoo embarrass him, which was McAdoo's ticket out and, and Reese's ticket out of here. But I swear they drafted Barkley because they wanted to try to win of course. for Eli. And yeah. it, it should have gotten him offensive lineman. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But you're they right. Got- you know, the, again, the reason why is because Eli was getting up there in age. They were asking Eli to throw like 600 times a season, which was unheard of, you know, for a guy getting up there in age. So they figure, okay, let's get this guy a running game and take some of the onus off of him. And, dog, you know, you talk about, you know, how Joe Judge threw people under the bus. I'm sorry. McAdoo was the king of throwing people under the bus. Oh, he's talked. <laughs> he was He was the king of that. And he lost that locker room. I, I couldn't believe it. You know, I mean, first off, year the first year when they had the success, you don't think that all those clippings that were written about them didn't go to their heads? Of course, did they? Bring their own you, you had Frazier the Lion and all this this other funky stuff. And I remember standing there and we're listening to this and we're like, "Oh, this is going to be an interesting year," because you could just see it. And then you know when he started losing the locker room and guys started snipping at each other, and he had no answers. And then the Eli debacle was oh, the final straw that was horrible I, you know when they gave oh, up I the, game the, half of it. the game that they gave up was against the rams i remember they lost like 51 to 13 and i just I remember i forgot who the receiver was it was like third and 30 from like midfield and the guy scored a touchdown in a, like a wide receiver screen and, and they just stopped chasing them. i remember them i'm just watching them quit i, I remember seeing lana collins just call them like this team is not playing for this guy. They quit. And that's the worst thing. Because I'm like, listen, I understand you're a bad team. You got injuries. The Rams are really good. But as a professional athlete, you can never just quit. And I'm like, this team is done. And that was the low point of. Let's be let's be real, Bad Dog. They did the same thing to Eli that they did to Tom Coughlin. Yeah. And that's what happened. Tom Coughlin, yeah. they made him the scapegoat. When it was, I mean, he was part of it. But it was a lot more than Coughlin. Uh, obviously, Jerry Reese was heavily involved in that. And then when they benched Eli Manning for Geno Smith, if you did it for Webb, that's different. You want to see the rookie play for two weeks and see what you got? That's yeah. different. But when they did that to Eli, it was a disgrace. It was it was it was the same thing they did to Tom Coughlin. It was a disgrace. Um, if you were going to fire Coughlin, you should have fired Reese too. You should have just scrapped Absolutely. everything. So Absolutely. It is what it is. We live, we learn, but yeah, it was, it was ugly the way things ended with the uh, with, with and, that regime. And 
there was just so much politicking involved there. But, yeah. you know, thankfully, you know, and, and thank God they didn't make the same mistake because, you know, there were rumors, you know, I don't know if you guys remember that once Dave retired, there was rumors that they were going to keep judge and they were going to promote Kevin Abrams. Yeah. And I, I remember saying to somebody, I said, my God, they're going to make the same damn mistake again, aren't they? I said, Why? they can't make the same mistake. I said, they've got to go outside the organization because the Giants way isn't working anymore. Yeah. Get a fresh perspective. I, I, did a, I did a video at the end of the year, almost like not crying, but upset. Like, I'm like, I because I heard those rumors. I'm like, I can't do another year of Joe Judge. Like, I'm like, I cannot watch that again. And I'm, did, when Mara had, what's that? No, uh, go ahead, finish your point, and I'll tell. I'll tell well, you. I was just gonna say when Mara had that admission of this is really embarrassing, and, and and I'm embarrassed for the organization, and this just isn't good, and we've set Daniel Jones up to fail, and it's almost like he took a step back and go, I really do have to kind of change. I'll be in charge. But I got to kind of step back and let these guys do their job. I'm gonna go out and get really good, you know, smart, younger front office people, and I'm gonna get some dynamic guys. I'm gonna take them from successful organizations. Guys with experience in successful organizations, and I'm going to put them here, and I'm going to let them do their thing, and it's worked. Yeah, yeah and, and just you know, to, to your point, if you remember, the rumor was Judge wanted Kevin Abrams as the GM. Kevin Abrams, you know, was like <laughs> Chris is laughing. Well, 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 that you know why he wanted Kevin Abrams because it was more job exactly. security. Exactly because yeah. the, because Judge from Judge what, knew if they brought it outside Jim, he was gone. Him. Nobody's Judge probably job. saw himself as a Belichick in yeah. training and said, okay, you know what? Kevin's not really a scout. I mean, Abrams did some scouting, but he's primarily a cap guy. So I'm going to tell him exactly what I need and make him look good. And he's going to get me what I need. And I'm going to run the personnel show. It wasn't going to work. That's yeah. not how the Giants have, have built yeah, well, judge, judge was smart, and Judge is a smart guy, definitely a smart guy. Sure. Judge was smart enough to realize, and and I had people during this process. I knew Judge was gone the second before the year ended. As soon as the press conference ended, because I said there is, if they're going to truly do this the right way, and at that point I knew they were going to. You weren't going to hire Kevin Abrams. You were not going to sell the fan base on Kevin Abrams. And if you were going to hire a respectable, a respectable general manager from outside this organization, you are not going to say you have to keep Joe Judge as the head coach off the year that they went through. So I think Judge realized that, and that's why he was pushing for Abrams because he said, if they bring in Joe Shane, I'm gone. He knew it. The writing was on the wall. So of course, that, that's what that's what happened. i got to be honest. Joe Judge is responsible for some of the best content I've put on my channel. <laughs> he really is. The sound bites that people you know have been saying about Joe George, the, the, the uh, mock press conference I had, the video with the bag on my head. Like, I swear to God, he I, I got to give him credit for that. If nothing else, he provided me with some of the best content I've ever put out in here because I don't know if I've ever in my life been more frustrated with one of you know my favorite teams, be it the Knicks. The Knicks are frustrating, but I'm almost numb to the Knicks at this point, although they're turning it around a little bit. But the Yankees, I didn't really deal with that very much, dealing with it this year. But, God, Joe Judge, the moment he threw that challenge flag week one against Denver, that was one of my favorite lines of all time. Joe Judge, you don't even know the rules. You run laps, Joe. You run laps. That's one of my favorite things of all time. You know, look, I I like Joe as, as a person. I thought he was a great teacher. I You know, I still remember 
when he held the uh, media sessions, you know, it's like submit five things you want to talk about and, and I'll run film and teach. And I thought those were valuable to watch film with the, with the coach explaining stuff. And they were really, really good sessions. Joe's problem. And, and, uh, and this was the same problem with McAdoo. He said, Joe only knew one way how to do things, the Saban Belichick way, you know, just like McAdoo, all he knew was the McCarthy way. Dable, even though he worked for for Saban, even though he worked for Belichick, Dable has been around. He worked for a totally different head coach in in, um, uh, in Miami. He was in Buffalo. He He was in Miami. And I'm drawing a blank on on the the Buffalo head coach. He was with the Jets. He was with the Jets. Dable has been with different coaching staffs. So he's able to take a little bit here, a little bit there. And, And also, Dable's not afraid to be himself. That's, he's not. That's I mean, the he's, I could see this guy. You know, I, I've been. I know where the coach's office is. The coach has the corner office in, in the second floor of the the facility. I could see Dable on the phone, feet up on the desk, leaning back in his chair, maybe a cigar and a beer in his hand. You know, yeah. just just doing business, watching film with the clicker in the other hand. Yeah, that's what I envision. I mean, I'm not. I'm not it, saying it, he drinks on yeah. the job, but that's the type of. He's just very laid back and just very. You know, it's himself. What you see is what you get. Yeah. He's he's got a sense of humor. I think he tries to be helpful. I mean, he's not going to give you state secrets. You can oh, kind of tell if he likes you if he doesn't. And but but I like this guy. I respect him, and I respect the fact that he admits that he doesn't know everything. Yeah. He's all the sports science people. They're smarter than I am. Oh, oh, the defense. Oh, it's, the same, it's the same thing with Shane, by the way. Like you said earlier, he's he's not a know-it-all. He's, he's you know. And that's so know what you know. That's, yeah. that's that's the biggest piece of advice I know I've ever gotten, and I give to people all the time. And and yeah, oh, I, I I've said know. it several times. Last year, it was the vibe I got uh, with Dable, Judge. They both learned under Belichick. They both learned under Saban. Judge was impersonating Belichick. Dable. Learn from Belichick, but he was his own man. That's the difference. This guy is comfortable in his own skin. He's a player's coach. Will still, you know, bring those Belichick-like qualities as a coach. He's a, you know, you've seen it. He's a guy that he's not going to play you based off your draft position, based off your salary. Belichick was the same way. He got the most out of players. He identified the strengths of certain players that, that were throwaways from other organizations. Danny Woodhead's a perfect example. Wes Welker. Like, you could name so many others but he identified what they were best at and he maximized their ability. That's what Dable, that's the feeling I get with Dable as a coach. It's only been one year, but that's the vibe you get. But he's doing it by being his own man. Joe Judge was just a, and Judge may end up being a good coach one day if he gets another opportunity. He was young. Maybe he'll learn. Hopefully it'll never be here. Uh, (laughs) It'll never be here. But but he's a good college coach. He wasn't ready. He wasn't ready. And he was trying to impersonate he was trying to impersonate Belichick. He wasn't being his own man. No. And he has really bad taste in beer. That that makes me mad too. Right down to his beer. Coors light, Joe. Come on. You're not watching your figure. <laughs> Get you a nice freaking Belgian beer, a stout. What, what, what kind of a little kick to it, Where did he order? I wonder if he ordered the pizza from where the Giants get their pizza. Just, just I remember the Coors Light thing, and I'm just like, "What are you doing? You can't." Well, even- I'm not a beer. I'm not a beer connoisseur, so I can't comment on that. But I can comment on pizza, and I wonder if they, I don't remember where the boxes came from. If they went to the pizza place that the Giants have an account with, 
which is not too bad, actually. Or if he just went to someplace local by him. Uh, I won't kill him. It wasn't Domino's or you know, Pete. No, Dollar. it wasn't Domino's. Yeah. The, the giant, I know the Giants PR staff, um, they give us pizza on Fridays. And they go to this pizzeria that's pretty good. Uh, I want to say it's Napolia, I think it's called. Uh, it's really good. Um, now, it, now it's no, um, oh, what's the place out in Long Island that Big Daddy used to bring the pizza to from? There's a place out in Long Island that supposedly makes really good pizza. Where on Long they, Island? Oh, gosh, I'm trying to think of the name. Um, There's a lot of good pizza places on Long Island. No, I, let me see if I can remember it. Uh, it's uh, Big Daddy used to bring it. Big Daddy was a um, like a, an insur- uh, insurance guy that you know had a lot of Giants as clients. <laughs> I can't remember the name of it, but the pizza was really good. He would bring it all the way out from Long Island. I think Central Long Island. Oh gosh, it's, it'll come to me. Watch, it'll come to me tonight when I'm when I'm in bed. I'll think I'll remember it. I can't remember the name of it, but it was really good because they would bring it in, um, and it was you know by the time you brought it in from Long Island, it was obviously you had to put it back in the oven and heat it up. Right. But, oh my God, they brought brought it back to the media one one time. Oh, it was like the best pizza I've ever had. Really? And no, it wasn't. Oh, well, maybe um, you know, you know, it's a um, Umberto's maybe. Umberto's. That that sounds was right. It? Yeah, I think yeah, so. There, yeah, well, there's a few of them now. The original one was in New Hyde Park, but yeah, there's a few yeah, of them. Yeah, I think it was Yes. Yeah, Umberto's is really yes. good pizza. Yep, yeah. yep. So they, they they, they, just, you know, he would bring a bunch of different pies in, and we would get some of it, and oh, unbelievable. But, yeah. all right, we're getting on food again, right? <laughs> we can never get to one of these shows without discussing food, because you got three Italians here talking food, right. you know? So, all right, let's see. Do we have any other questions? If not, you guys are doing a show after this, right? Or not? Not to not not after you guys. I know I have a show coming. No, up. no. Well, I, well, I don't even know. Bad luck. What Thursday? Friday? I don't even know. Maybe what. better oh, Friday. Right. My draft, so I can't do it Friday. Thursday. Thursday. All right, so that'll be on my channel this week. Thursday. Then we'll start moving them to Fridays because I don't. We don't want to do the show during Thursday night. Thursday night football. So, right, 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 yeah. right, right. Friday. Yeah. So. All right, I'm just oh okay. Amazing guy asked if DJ likes Shermer and Judge. I know he likes Shermer. Um, well, Daniel will tell you he, he liked both of them. Daniel's yeah. never going to admit no, I didn't like this guy. Of but course. If you watch the body language, I think Daniel was a little bit more fond. Yeah, of you, Shermer you, than he was of Judge. The player you really saw it in terms of the body language was Saquon Barkley. Mm. Uh, you, I, you, I was so depressed watching that team that last year, but I got even more depressed when I would watch Saquon Barkley in the press conferences after the game. Like it, it almost felt like you, he didn't love playing the game anymore. Like that was the vibe you got in the, in the press conferences with them. And then next year it was a complete 180. You could tell he was in love with his coaching staff. He loved the organization. Um, so that was one guy that really stood out to me was Barkley. It's yeah. got to be rough when you go into a game knowing you have zero chance, like no, yeah. Like, yeah. no like no chance. Yeah. And, and, I mean, what kind of message is it? I mean, Joe Judge was on his way out anyway, and then he had the whole clown show press conference, which I swear he oh my got that to me because I was calling the Giants a clown show, and I even said the Giants are a circus and Joe Judge is head clown. <laughs> oh, but the back-to-back quarterback sneaks is the lowest. That was giving up. That was it. Uh, and I, I said, that, he gave up. Yeah, what kind of message is that you 
you he's talking about both sides of his mouth. He's talking about fundamentals and execution and being tough and playing tough and punching the nose for 60 minutes. And here he is running back-to-back -back quarterback sneaks saying, I quit. I quit. I'm done. I'm not even going to try to win this last game of the year. I quit. And I don't know who the guy was in the audience that was, you you're a B, Joe. You're a B. I'm like, he had to be related to me because that's exactly what I'd be screaming at him too. Um, it was just so bad. And I, I was very, very young during the miracle in the Meadowlands. But I know that that was a, the lowest point for the Giants back in 1978 when Herman Edwards picked up that fumble because mm -hmm. Sarchuk didn't kneel on the ball and him and Zonka were on the wrong page and the ball spot. Eagles win. It changed things. Sims got drafted the next year. Taylor got drafted two years later, and they became a really good team. This back-to-back -back quarterback sneaks, in my opinion, was the modern-day miracle in the Meadowlands where that is just absolute rock bottom. You kept waiting for them to hit rock bottom. How much lower can they go? Minus 10 yards against passing yards against the Bears. Like getting shut out, losing 31 to 3. Whatever, you know, just back-to-back -back quarterback sneaks was it. That was the rock bottom. You can't come back from that. And what would they lose? 22 to 3 in that game or 22 to 10 or whatever it was? And he over, yeah, and he overruled the, the calls because they, they, they wanted to call something. I think Freddie Kitchens was the offensive coordinator at the time. He overruled them. He, sure. he basically said, look, we're not going to be able to make it. How? Yeah. What? Look at the message you send to your team. At that point, I think that was the breaking point that, that they realized they could not go on with him. As head coach, I'm surprised he didn't get fired. I, thought, right I honestly thought the 19. breaking point, the, the first time, I thought he was coming back until that press conference where he really broke down. Like that was, was the, the message to Mara. Yeah, that was the first time where I'm like, that he's done. Like that he he can't handle New York. The pressure's gotten to him. The trolls have gotten to him. Um, and the trolls in his profession, I say trolls because bad dog media deal with trolls. His trolls are the media and the fans. And you, oh, I the hell out of him. Yeah, and you could tell. That he had been finally broken, and 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 when you're I in New York, what is that? I said I felt a little bit for him because I did too. But then, I did but too. then again, but then yeah. again, Chris, part of the problem was that when the sink, when the ship started to sink, instead of relying on all hands on deck, yeah, he felt like he had to save the ship by himself. Yeah, I mean, if you go back and you read the transcripts from, say, for example, Thomas McGahee. To me, it was pretty clear that McGahee's like, okay, I'm just here. I'm collecting a paycheck, doing what I'm told, and it's Joe's show, and if Joe wants to do this and I don't, I'm not going to say anything. Yeah. And, you know, he just dropped little verbal. It's just, it's just like such that. a better environment now. It's, just, it, it's crazy how one year could change so much. Yeah. And it has. It has. You it have a head coach that's not – Ego driven. I mean, is he a hothead at times? Absolutely. I mean, Dable can can unleash a string of f bombs like like the best of them. But yeah. he's I give him a run for his money. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know about that dog. But you also see Dable. How many times do you see him go up to a player excited, go, "Yeah, baby, that's the way to do, you know." And he gives him a hug and just confidence. It's just confidence. And, 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 you know, so for every F-bomb he might drop at a guy, he'll give that same guy five pats on the back and say, that a boy, you know? And he just knows when to pull the strings and, and, when, exactly. and when to show, like, when he got it, when he got in DJ's face after the interception or in the playoff game when Slayton dropped the ball, when Slayton was pissed off, he went and consoled Slayton. Like, he just knows when to pull the strings. I don't know. Like. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yep. 
Absolutely. Just like Parcells. Um, all right. Yeah, I, love, I love the big tuna. That's, that's my favorite coach of all time. I, Parcells is my guy. Because I do. I love those guys. I don't know really. I don't know how encouraged. Like, Parcells, I was still pretty young when, when Parcells was there. But I Parcells is incredibly tough. I don't know how, like, encouraging Parcells was. Because I just listened to him and Sims. And Sims – the one thing I loved about Sims was he didn't back down either. Like Sims was Sims was tough. Like Phil Sims was a tough quarterback. And maybe this is just I mentioned this in the live stream or on a video. Maybe this is just what the Giants quarterback position is. Sims <clears throat> started out his career slowly, had a lot of injuries, played poorly, and then got really good Pro Bowl, Super Bowl MVPs, underrated, like no credit. No credit. Eli Manning started off really slow. Um, both of them are first round picks. Obviously, the Giants traded for Eli. Eli came with the name, started off slow, won a Super Bowl, you know, a couple of Super Bowl MVPs. People say Eli's overrated. I'm like, how can a guy be overrated when all you do is say how bad he sucks? How is that possible? Oh, Eli's not a Hall of Famer. Uh, what? And now you got Daniel Jones. Same thing. Drafted sixth overall from a small school in Duke, struggled his first few years. Doesn't light up the – doesn't put up Pat Mahomes' numbers, but definitely improves. Now he actually has a team around him. We'll have to see what he does this year. But nobody wants to give him credit either. Oh, he's a bottom-tier quarterback. I mean, that guy, I forgot, from the herd, whatever his name was, whose shirt was just worse than his take, if that was even possible, was trying to tell me that – you tell us that Cooper Rush is better than Daniel Jones. That's just either – you're either dumb or you're just being an idiot. I mean, one or the other. Either way, you shouldn't be on a format like that if you're really saying things like Cooper Rush is better than Daniel Jones. So maybe the Giants, they just don't want to give Giants quarterbacks any credit. I don't know what it is. But Daniel Jones, well, I was hard they on. They have to admit they'd be, that they were wrong for earlier takes. Listen, I so they're willing to die on the hill that Daniel Jones is trash because then they would that would be like, oh, well, I said initially that he, that, you know, that he yeah. was terrible. Right. I I get, I get and you know, I don't know about you guys, but last I checked, it's not a crime to admit that you're wrong. We're human. You're wrong. Always gonna be wrong. Say, Listen, if, you, if you're gonna make takes and you're gonna move on, if you're gonna make predictions and takes, you're gonna be wrong near nearly as often or as often as you're right. That's I mean, just the, that's you the way guys it works. Are perfect examples. You guys went ballistic when they did I, I hated it. Now I hated you it. admitted that you were wrong. And I'll, I'll be the first to say, uh, yeah. I, I let the media impact the way I felt about that pick when it was made. Um, right, you know, and it, and I'll never do that again. I might flip out with a pick if I don't like it, but <laughs> the media definitely influenced the way I reacted to that pick, and that's just the truth. Um, but I'm not a guy that's gonna. I don't care. I want the team to be good. I don't care when I, when I'm down on a player and I'm down on a pick, I want that guy to be successful. I hope right. I'm the biggest fool of all time uh, with, with the reaction that I had. I want Daniel Jones to be successful. And when he gives me a reason to back him, I'm going to back him. I, I felt like I've been as fair as I can with Jones before last year. I went into last year saying, I'm going to give this guy an opportunity with the new coaching staff. And he proved a lot of people wrong. I didn't think they were going to make the playoffs last year. They did. And people who don't give him credit for last year don't know what the hell they're talking about. Uh, right. For him to do what he did with that team, he maximized that roster. And I got a lot more belief in Daniel Jones than I did, uh, you know, just going back a few years ago. I think he's going to be the franchise quarterback for this team. I think he's yeah, going to be the quarterback here for the next 10 years because I think he finally has the pieces in place, mainly the coaching staff and the general manager that are going to be able to build up this team appropriately. And when I look at Jones, 
What is there not to like? I see a guy with incredible work ethic. I see a guy that handles the New York media incredibly well. Like he, it was almost like his personality is meant to play in the. Like he's an Eli clone when it comes to that. Like, and, and that's great. That's what you want. Um, he's got all the tools. He's got the necessary arm strength. He's got the mobility. And as they improve this team around him, he's only going to get better. So I have no reason to think that Daniel Jones isn't going to be the franchise quarterback here. It's what I believe. Yeah. Yeah, and the other thing is, I mean, again, I do YouTube for fun. I'm a fan. I mean, I I am not, you know, I'm not profound. I'm not in the media. I'm not, I don't have to be professional. I don't need to be unbiased. I'm just going to give you my opinion. And as a fan, right after the game, I'm not happy because the Giants have been a part of my life for 40 years. They're there every Sunday. It, It goes through my bloodlines. Like they run. In my blood, I've seen really good teams. I've seen really bad teams. I was sick and tired of losing. And not just losing, but being an embarrassment. So, yeah, I took some of that out on Daniel Jones. He's the quarterback. That's what happens. Even Phil Simms said in 86, when Brian Gumble or Greg Gumble, one of them interviewed him and said, what do you hear? You know, what do you think when you hear Sims can't lead us to a Super Bowl? And Sims says, that's just the life of a quarterback. You know, I do the best thing. I'm not saying I'm a Joe Montana, but I do the best I can do. And I think if the Giants can win, they can win with me. I remember that. So, same thing with Daniel Jones. I was hard on him. I felt like the criticism was warranted. He did not play well. But I think I let the losing blind me in the fact that in 2019, when I met the Jets, came with Chris, and I literally say in the third quarter, it's a 30-second video, and I say, if Daniel Jones ever gets an offensive line in front of him and a real coach, he is going to be dangerous in the NFL. I said this is rookie season. Mm-hmm. And I let all of it blind me. And then when I actually saw a good head coach coaching this kid, I'm like, where the, I lost, I lost my own vision is what happened under the murky, the dark murkiness and the clouds that were the giants. Well, those clouds are lifted and we're not even seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. We were a tunnel. We're out of that. tunnel. He, he, yeah, though, he just feels like a giant to me now. He didn't, he I, didn't feel like a giant. I mean, he was, well, he was a giant. I loved him. He's the quarterback. Last year, at the end of the year, he's a giant now. Like, he feels like a giant to me. Like, when you think giants, you think blue-collar guys, you think guys that kind of get disrespected, they're not the flashiest. That's the way right. they've always been. That's the way Sims was. That's the way Eli was. They, they, they're they just guys that get the job done. They're tough. They're gritty. Daniel Jones just feels like he's meant to be the Giants quarterback to me now. I got full faith in him going forward. And Chris, yeah. we talked about this before, too. And maybe, Patty, you'll agree. This day and age... With fantasy football being what it is, people don't actually. I feel like so many people don't actually watch the games. They just look at the stats. Fifteen touchdowns. Like he sucks. How do you give him one hundred sixty million dollars? But they don't actually watch what he does in the game. And somehow they fail to realize that for three quarters of the year, Richie James was the man's number one wide receiver. And there was a plethora of injuries at the receiving core, the offensive line. It was a new, you know, a new coaching regime, and this man beat Aaron Rodgers. This man beat Lamar Jackson. This man knocked off the Titans. This Trevor man Lord. knocked her cousins in the postseason. I mean, crushed Minnesota in the postseason. And what do they say about that great performance, Patty? Oh, Minnesota's defense is terrible. No credit given to the guy. None. None. But he'll get he's gonna start to get it this year. Because they have to admit they were wrong. That's the whole thing. Who wants to admit that they're wrong? Yeah. You know, these the, the, the talking heads, it's like. They pick a hill to die on. And it's like, 
come come hell or high water, this is the hill I'm going to die on. And if I'm wrong, I'm going to go down swinging, and I'm going to start reaching for for reasons to show that I'm that my point is right, even though you know deep down that you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's I'm ex- okay. I'm so excited. I'm so made a mistake. I'm it, so it, excited it to see Daniel Jones. But, but that's that's why, you know, that's why I feel like. You know, channels like ESPN and FS1, they're to me, they're dying. I don't know why that's so difficult. Hey, I was wrong. I feel like you you get a lot more respect when you can sit here, man up and go, or woman up or whatever, and say, hey, I got that take wrong. You know, he's made a believer out of me. You know, I thought about this, and, you know, you look what he did, and you look at the way he's leading the Giants. The guy had nothing around him, and now you see they're starting to build around him. They have confidence in him. He has confidence in them, and he could definitely have a big year. Yeah, I can understand they say, I'm not willing to say he's a top 10 quarterback yet. Let me see what he does this year. I want another year. I want to see yeah, him. Yeah, that's, that's very he, fair. I mean, that's a fair take. But to just blatantly disrespect him and go, Cooper Rush is a better quarterback, like that type of thing. It's like, come on, man. Yeah. Come on. I, I, I have to address this. Com- I see this comment keep coming up in the chat. I got to address this one. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Um, Joseph Santiago, Mara gave up control. Joseph. Let me set the record straight with you here because I, I see you keep saying that Mara gave up control. John Mara is one half of the ownership, all right? When they hire the coach and the GM, they leave it up to the coach and the GM to work together to build the team into a winning, winner. It is not necessarily Mara telling Joe Judge, you have to hire Jason Garrett. You have to hire this guy. Does he make recommendations? Yes. But does he enforce his recommendations on guys? No. He'll make suggestions, yes. But he doesn't force it. He does. He didn't tell Dave Gettleman, you have to draft Saquon Barkley. You have to draft Daniel Jones. You have to draft, trade up to, to get DeAndre Baker. He doesn't do that. He's one half of the ownership. Does he take an interest? Yes. The only time Mara will step in and override or overrule, I should say, his his GM or his head coach is if they're going down the wrong path to where they're, they're bringing in a criminal or somebody who, who's going to potentially embarrass the organization. This is not about Mara giving up control or being a control freak. Everybody seems to think that, or a lot of people seem to think that it's not true. I'm telling you, I'm in the building. I know a little bit about how the, the, the behind the scenes stuff works. Mara is not the control freak. Like say um, some of the owners, Jerry Jones, owners, uh, Davis, you know Snyder when he was owner of the Commanders. I mean, those are guys. I, I, I agree with you. Over, I mean, you obviously know better than me. You're in the building, but I, I agree with you. I don't think he's always been like a guy that's been over controlling. I do think he's made bad decisions in the past. But, of course, he has. But I think I think it's improving dramatically. I like. He absolutely has yeah, made bad decisions. But I do I do think it's improving dramatically. But I agree. Case, I don't think he's nearly as hands on as a lot point. of other owners. I agree with you on that. Case in point, when he got rid of Jerry Reese, he should have swept the whole thing out. Yeah. yeah. That was an opportunity to yeah. press the reset button, and he didn't do it. Yeah. There was, you know, there was that loyalty thing. You know, that's that's a trait he inherited from his father. Rest God rest his soul. You know, I get it. When 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 Dave came in and and then you started firing the head coaches and Dave was you know, yeah you know, that that was another thing. He, Dave at got, some point he had to learn. Look, you know, yes, John, you want stability, but what you have right now is not stable. You got to sweep the whole thing out, start from scratch, bring in people from the outside yeah. from a winning organization that have a clue, 
and just see what and let them run things the way they see fit. Only intervene if they're if they want to bring a, a you know a, a criminal in. Yeah, that 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 to me was Mara's biggest fault. If if you're gonna say one, I thought he was too loyal, safe, and loyal. Like he only wanted to work with guys that he was familiar with that had worked from within the building. That's why Reese got the job. That's why Gettleman got the job. That that I think is a a fair fault yep. and not Absolutely. for John Mara. That that I will Absolutely. say. Absolutely, bad choices. Yes, but, but to he's say learned. that it that he was a control reason. freak. Mm-mm. Yeah. You're not going to convince yeah, I feel me like you're discussing the Yankees. That's what I feel about the Yankees right now, that Hal just yeah. plays safe and just wants to keep all the guys that are there and not like go outside of the box. They're going to fire Aaron Boone, but that's not the major that's problem. That's what we did with Shermer. You're, you're, only, you're, you're not making the problem better. Yeah. You, yeah. You know, Mar- they Mar- Mar- what it's worth, I mean, did he, did he not stand in front of the reporters when they hired Shane and, and Dable and say, We've done everything possible to screw up Daniel Jones. He took responsibility for that because they did screw up Daniel Jones. Not just Daniel Jones, by the way. All of a sudden, everybody gets better. Dexter Lawrence gets better. Andrew yeah. Gets better. Julian Love gets so, better. They I mean, get come better. on. Yeah. And, and again, some of you are probably going to say, oh, you're an American apologist. And, and I'm, no, I'm telling it the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know. That that that's how it is. I mean, I, I'm just amazed at some of the the perceptions out there. You know, it 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 just back in the day, Wellington Mara, before they hired George Young, there was a matter of control, and did Wellington lose his way a little bit and everything like that? That that you can make a case that Wellington was more of a hands on. John just you know he takes an interest. He comes to the office every day. He goes to practice every day. But for the most part, he gets out of the way of the GM and the head coach. Now, do they meet once or twice a week to find out what they're thinking and what they want to do? Absolutely, because he wants to know, and it's his right to know as as co-owner of that team. Yeah. Yeah. So, <clears throat> you know, that's – I just had a – you know, I kept seeing that, and I'm like, no, no. Yeah. I, I you got to set the record straight. I like it. A little passion. Yeah, I, I like mean – Passion for Patty. I like it. <laughs> That's right. Not very, I, I'm amazed I'm getting this fired up after the, the long day I had. But uh, all right. W- speaking of long days, guys, I think we if we missed any of your questions, just pop them in on the comments section. I can always pick them up or uh, I'm assuming we're going to do this show again next week before Dallas. Right. We've got to do the show next week. Right. Yes. Yeah. I would hope so. Yeah. So just join us next week and we'll we'll do this all over again. I'm sure you know dog is gonna be bouncing off the walls because it's I'm ready. Dog, I'm dog's ready. I'm ready to go. And and Tana's sitting there with a big grin on his face. Oh, I'm jacked up. I can't I can't wait for uh, Sunday night football. I can't oh, wait. it's it's gonna be it's Smoke gonna be cowboys in that video. I'm gonna let everybody know exactly why I hate them. And that's just the way it goes. <laughs> You're going to find out. The Eagles always get the brunt of it. Cowboy fans are all just. You know, I, I, I got a video next week. You're going to get why I hate the Dallas Cowboys. And it's I, going I, to be I, good. I'll, I'll tell you something real quick before we, we say goodbye. So one of my colleagues uh, over at Fan Nation is, you know, he's coming in for the game. He's, he covers the Cowboys. And he, and he texts me uh, last night. He says, you got, or, or, I'm sorry, Saturday night. He goes, you got, got a minute. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm just getting ready to go to the giant jet game. So he tells me, he goes, he says, um, if I pay you like an Uber driver, 
He says, can you drop me off at my hotel? Because last year, apparently, he got stranded in the MetLife Stadium parking lot for four hours. His Uber driver never showed up. So I said to him, yeah, I don't think that's, that should be a problem. I said, where's your hotel? He, oh, it's down by Newark Airport. And I'm sitting there going, oh, crap, what did I just agree to? Not that I wouldn't give the guy a ride, but Newark Airport to drive through Newark. Oh, uh, New- Newark's now, the worst. Newark is the worst. That hour, yeah. I'm like, oh, my God, what did I just agree to? So I'm like, hopefully he's not too deep into Newark. Otherwise, I'm dropping him off at Newark Airport. He can take the train to his hotel or get a taxi from there because I ain't going into the heart of Newark. But uh, but anyway, it was like, you know, oh, how are you feeling about the game? And I'm like, oh, I'm not thinking about it yet. Let's get the roster set. But yeah. I've seen some of the, you know, the work and stuff. And I'm like, they're, they're feeling pretty confident. Like they're going to spank the Giants. So I kind of hope that the Giants spank them really hard. I, I'm i excited. I think we're going to win that game. I really do. So we'll see. I mean, obviously, I wouldn't be surprised if we lose. Dallas is very good. But I think <laughs> I we're going to win. Yeah, I, I just, really- I gotta, this I'm, is hilarious. No <laughs> oh, that's, uh, good. that's good, I'm, Ethel. I'm not that old. I don't have accidents. Uh, oh, come on. You don't get the joke, man. Oh, I, I get the joke. I get the joke. <laughs> we're good. We still, we still hit the potty. We still hit it. Oh, by the way, I have to say this. This is funny. Um, so I don't know if it was today or yesterday. It was yesterday. I was reacting to um, – the Eagles press conference. And you know how it has closed captioning? Uh-huh. For whatever reason, when you asked the question, it said it said potty trainer. Oh, it's Jesus. Potty trainer. <laughs> and I started laughing. I'm like, the Giants really needed a potty trainer a couple years ago because there was a bunch of you-know-what laying around there a couple years ago. <laughs> but, you know, it was great. Oh. Your question was great. I, I mention this all the time when I do this. I'm like, you always notice how Patty's questions are like they're outside the box. They're not what everybody else asks. It's like she thinks out her questions, and I said, "I the one thing you told me was just because you're there doesn't mean doesn't mean you need to ask a question." Like seriously, I feel like some people just feel the need to ask a question. I'm like, "Why are you asking that?" I mean, he's not going to answer that, or you know, he's he's just going to go, "Yeah, uh, we're confident in the guys you had." What, what do you think he's going to say? Yeah, I don't like our offensive line going into week one. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I write down my questions as I think of them. And then I sit down and I say, okay, can I answer the question? See, it's a little different being a writer. If I can answer the question and know what the coach is going to say, then the question goes out of my notebook. But if it's a question that I can't answer, then I leave it in. And, you know, sometimes I know I get, I might annoy people because I changed the, the, the course or the flow of the, the presser. I know for a fact I've annoyed a couple of people in the past, but I don't care. I mean, I've got a right to ask questions just like they do. Mm-hmm. So it's just, I'm just being me guys. That's all I can be. But anyway, guys, it's been a long day for me. I know a long day for you guys. So I want to thank you for coming on. We will do this again next week. I want to thank you all for coming to the live stream. Uh, we're going to continue on this week with Locked On Giants. Like I said, Jonathan Casillas and I are supposed to connect tomorrow to do a roster review show. By then, we'll have some of the tweaks. We'll know the practice squatters. So we'll be able to, um, you know, talk a little bit more fluently about the roster. Hope you will check that out. And uh, Friday, just so you know, Friday I'm off because the Giants are off. So I'm taking Friday off. I there you go. So enjoy your day off. And real quick, I can tell you this. I think it was Ethel that said that if we be if we beat the Cowboys, she will have to put down papers. <laughs> yeah, she's all over the place. We're, we're, yeah. we're, we're, we're gonna beat the Cowboys. We're gonna beat the yeah. I, saw, oh, I, I saw Harlem oh, talking to the chat. Harlem, 
couple of years, you won't be saying that. Daniel Jones is going to be a, a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts. Mark it down. Mark it down. You heard All it here right. first. I believe that. First. Improve this Giants team. He'll be better than Hurts. Absolutely. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Everybody have a great night. And again, we'll see you tomorrow on the Locked on Giants podcast. And be sure to check out Tana and Dog, their live streams, their shows. And uh, have a good one, Giant fans. Peace.